My noodles aroused! Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. Alright everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined as always by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. Ow! Yeah! And from Music Video Sins, Barrett Share. Hey! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, we have sort of a hybrid kind of usual episode here today, but uh, you guys got have gotten upset about things in the past couple of weeks, right? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills! I'm as mad as hell! You've never seen me very upset. Lord Jesus! Lord Jesus! um certainly yeah yeah uh, i want to let barrett go first i think he has the best rant i well i like my rant because i'm upset i'm not angry i'm upset that we lost joel schumacher uh mm-hmm. this uh yeah. this uh, and it is schumacher right that was a, yeah that was a surprise it is schumacher but yeah that was a surprise one that was one that i wasn't expecting well i'll tell mm-hmm. you what is a surprise to me and i am the worst offender or i was the worst offender about this joel schumacher has always been a bit of a punchline to our generation because he did Batman and Robin mm-hmm. and you know, Clooney didn't become a punchline after that. Schwarzenegger didn't become Uma Thurman didn't become a punchline after that. Joel Schumacher did because he put that universe together, starting with Batman forever, which was, you know, starting to lose that luster of the Tim Burton ones. And then he did Batman and Robin, which was atrocious he actually even apologized for it later on, saying that uh, you know he had responsibility for it, but it was bad. The thing is with this guy, and we've talked about it here and there on this podcast, he's had such a crazy career full of genius stuff and really, really good stuff. And he deserves to be much more than a punchline uh, for something like Batman and Robin. As bad as it is, everybody's got bad stuff. I've, I've done a lot of bad stuff. But uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. but this guy not only had a career, a great career in directing, but he started off in costume design. He d- designed a bunch of or a few Woody Allen uh, pictures in the, the early 70s, I believe. Then did he was he was a writer. He wrote uh, The Wiz. He wrote uh, St. Elmo's Fire. The guy was prodigious. And when when I was reading these eulogies, I was looking at this career and I was like, man, anyone would kill to have that career. And fuck Batman and Robin, man. Like, this guy should be uh, lauded for his accomplishments. I agree. I think Schumacher probably, over the years, unfairly shit on because of Batman and Robin. Yeah. Um, I was never a tremendously big fan of his work. Uh, I saw the Lost Boys way too late for me to really enjoy it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's uh, true. I, when you watch the Lost Boys for the first time in your 30s, it's not good at all. Um, uh, Flatliners is a boring movie. It's really, really, what? really. It's boring, man. Oh. It's a boring movie. It's got a great, it's got a great, great, great premise. But it's boring. Oh. The movie that he's the movie that I will always uh, uh, love Joel Schumacher for is Falling Down. Yep. Yeah, um, and I just recently saw Falling Down again, like a couple of weeks ago. Um, uh, 
uh, that movie is, continues to be, uh, I, it, it holds up even today. The movie's like 27 years old now. Um, uh, it is, it is just a, it's a great movie and he's got, I mean, I, I like the time to kill a lot, even though mm-hmm. I find some of the things that are, some of the things in there just distasteful that aren't like, don't, they don't even need to, to, to do some of the things they do in that movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like mainly like that, you know, the, the sexual assault of Sandra Bullock in that movie doesn't yeah. need to happen. Uh, I know that the, the, the primary racists of the film who are, who are, uh, you know, sent up for that first trial before Carl Lee Haley comes in and blows them away and everything. Those got those are going to be awful people, but they, they say some things that just, like, I just didn't need to hear that in a movie. Yeah. Just it's over the top for sure. But I like a time to kill a lot. There's a lot of like good stuff in that, but you know, after Batman and Robin, he did eight millimeter. That movie's got is, uh, yeah. Uh, I never saw Flawless, but I heard Philip Seymour Hoffman. Flawless is great. It is. Yeah, I heard Philip Seymour Hoffman great in that movie. Uh, He did Phone Booth, which is great. That's Uh, a really fun movie. Yeah, really fun movie. I never saw Bad Company, though. Uh, Veronica Guerin, never saw that. Phantom of the Opera is a lush and well-done version. It depends on whether you like Phantom of the Opera. That's true. If you like the play, it is a faithful adaptation and done brilliantly i actually love that movie yeah uh, i thought gerard butler and uh emmy rossum just nailed it and yeah, uh, yeah. even Minnie driver was great in that so that one is is one of my favorites my my favorite of his is one of these that uh, i don't know if you guys have seen that many times is saying elmo's fire mm-hmm. uh, which i've somehow seen a million million times this is the brat pack after um pretty and pink and after 16 candles and after breakfast club this is them in their um college age getting Not their sure job if it was age after it was during no i'm saying that it's it's the characters are past oh, they're oh, not in high okay. school anymore they're mm-hmm. uh, they're out in the real world and they're you know using blow and fucking each other and mm-hmm. like it, it, everything's all crazy uh mm-hmm. but it's it, it's my favorite Brat Pack movie, even though that's that's heresy to say, over the Breakfast Club. Uh, is this but, the one uh, where one of them's a saxophone player? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Rob Lowe is a saxophone player. Yeah, I saw this movie once. <laughs> that's all I remember about it. Somebody <laughs> plays a saxophone. He plays some soulful sax, and he's got he's got like the Richard Marks hair and everything. Uh, but it's a really really good movie. I always got Saint Almost Fire and Saint Elsewhere mixed up in my head. <laughs> mm-hmm. They were out at the same time, I think. <laughs> they different. were. They were. <laughs> Did you ever see um, Tigerland with Colin Farrell? Never saw that. That's a that's a good one. That's Joel Schumacher, and it's uh, basically like the last training camp before Vietnam or something like that. Hmm. Uh, I remember I saw that once. coming out and had some pretty decent reviews for it. Yeah, I only saw it the one time, but I really liked it. So yeah, I I agree with you, Barrett. I, I mean, even though like I like some of the movies that people immediately go to as far as his like you know Lost Boys and Flatliners and stuff like that, uh, I don't like those. There's mm-hmm. still like four or five on this list that I would consider like, oh, these are really good. This is worth watching. This is yeah. You know, and and we we did unfairly uh, lump him in with a lot of 
way worse directors probably very because much of I mean, batman and robin yeah jerry bruckheimer and like michael bay even and because you know you you equate that bombast and and that over the topness to a director that doesn't have nuance and i think he does have a lot of nuance or he did yeah. have a lot of nuance and i was upset about uh his passing uh earlier this week as of this posting last week and to be clear, Bruckheimer was never considered a director, I don't think. But I think you're That's talking true. about that aesthetic. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I agree. I agree, man. Totally. Uh, I hate to see him go. I did not realize that he was battling cancer for a whole year mm-hmm. there. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't have a rant either, but because we're not doing recommends and warns, I'm going to rant about the fact that it took me so goddamn long to watch HBO's Watchmen. Ah. Um, this is one of those shows. Now, listen, I will admit my bias, um, and I think this will make the case for the show stronger. I, I read and kind of enjoyed and own uh, the graphic novel. I've seen the movie a few times and have never liked it. And I can see here and there what it was going for, but it's just not my thing. And I don't know if that's a Zack Snyder thing or what. But I I didn't have an interest in this from the get-go. And then it starts coming out. People like Dicer are like, this is maybe the best show I've ever seen. I'm like, fuck you, Dicer. Mm -hmm. And then more people are watching it. And by the time it's done, it's getting all these great reviews. And then it's like, you know what? I'm not even going to make a second season. Like, that's a fucking mic drop. (laughs) And it made me even more stubborn. I'm like, well, I'll see it someday. God damn it. I don't want to. I don't want to. Well, then HBO comes along and I have HBO. I pay for it. But I saw the social media about how for Juneteenth weekend, they were going to make Watchmen free to everyone. Uh, because there are heavy racial inequality themes in this show, mm-hmm. uh, way more than you would expect, um, and it just stuck in my head enough. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna watch. I watched the first episode, and I was like, that was fucking awesome. <laughs> and I watched the second episode, and I was like, oh, where's this going? And it's only nine episodes, and it is one of the greatest shows I have ever seen. Yeah. Um, and there is some, there are moments that I'm watching first time through. I'm like, this is pretty silly. This might derail my enjoyment of this show. And then the way that they come back around to it in the next episode or three, I'm like, that's not silly. That fucking rules. Yep. (laughs) Um, God, I don't even really want to give too much credit to David Lindelof. Uh, But (laughs) I gotta now, man, between the leftovers and lost and this, this dude knows what he's doing. And uh, it's so tight. It's so tight. Like, there's no thread left loose. And uh, I can't wait to watch it again. It was so engrossing. Um, Anyway, that's my rant that it took me like six, seven months to see this fucking show. (laughs) I was wondering why it was taking you so long. I'm I'm still stuck on after the first episode. and, And I'm sure a lot of you guys are like, how can you watch the first episode and not watch the rest? Well, so is life. Yep. Um, <laughs> you know, um, it, while it was playing, uh, you know, when it first came on, I was very interested in watching it. Saw the first episode, but I was caught up in a whole bunch of other bullshit at the time. And since then, I've started The Leftovers, speaking of which, you know, I had, ah. I, I got through the first and second seasons of that. And now I'm, I'm ready to go on the stretch run 
uh, when I have some time to watch the remainder of the series because it only went three seasons. Yeah. Uh, but that third season, I've always been told, is like the hottest shit ever. So, like, you know, uh, I'm looking forward to, to watching, that, watching that. The Leftovers has been good so far. Uh, really, there's, cer- there's certain episodes that are some of the best things I've seen on television in a long time. Uh, I, I haven't, I'm not yet ready to like anoint it as the best series I've ever seen or anything, but, uh, uh, I'm enjoying it so far. Um, Glad you said that uh, about watching it again, because, uh, I've watched it all the way through the once and I had enough time in between where I could process the connections between them and everything, because there's a lot of, like you said, connections that, that come up in later episodes that reference earlier events. Uh, especially that one episode that seems out of place at the time. Yeah. You know, how much that impacts the rest of the series going through. And I, it, it would be interesting to do like a breaking bad thing almost and like go back and rewatch this and see where they were going before they got there because there were so many surprises, but the well, Regina King is so great in this. Gene smart is so great in this. Jeremy's iron. Tim Blake Nelson. Yep. Yep. Um, all the acting is great. The writing is superb. It's tight. But I have to mention the transitions. This oh, show yeah. has a hard-on for transitions the way Breaking Bad had one for POV perspective shots. <laughs> uh, and they nail every single one of them. Like, every episode has at least two transi- scene transitions that made me almost gasp. Uh, because so much thought and care was put into how we're going to go from this shot into the next shot. And yeah. most shows don't even, don't even bother with those kind of flourishes. It reminded me of Game Night and how Game Night put the care behind the visuals that most comedies don't do. And uh, this show was going to be great, even if it just did screen wipes like Star Wars. But they, they made these exquisite <laughs> transitions. Uh, that's part of what I want to watch it again. I want to see everything I missed the first time. Yeah, anyway, I will be watching. Rant. I'll be watching it at some point, and uh, I'll I'll be late to the party, and I'll be like, "Hey guys, have you heard of that show called Watchmen?" <laughs> I wonder it's if Jeremy actually even, really good. If Jeremy even remembers that, like maybe three months ago, that I went on an extended recommendation about Watchmen. I remember. I remember. <laughs> oh man, yeah, it's great, and uh, get to it whenever you can. And I imagine you'll say it's great. Yeah, uh, I hope that I didn't oversell it. <laughs> I also don't have a real rant here, but uh, I, I've uh, recently, I've, I'm once again back into this whole where do I, where should I be on certain news things that come come out every once in a while, and like yesterday, Twitter was a buzz that Mel Gibson said some racist shit back in the day, and I'm like, well, yeah. Of course he did, because he's Mel Gibson. Yep, uh, yep. This isn't a surprise. I don't know. I don't. I, why are we relitigating Mel Gibson at this point? Is what mm. I was sort of. I was sort of uh, wondering during this whole Twitter thing. And Jimmy Kimmel has been called out on some shit he's done uh, in the past that and, everybody know, knew about, right? Yeah, they're they're not even hiding this stuff. Now, look, look. I I don't want to say. What Mel Gibson did is awful, right? I don't want to to sit here and say the the stuff that I'm about to say about Jimmy Kimmel is the same because it's not. Uh, We we all know about Mel Gibson here. Uh, It's just that, you know, and and when I I don't want to unify them in any sort of way here where I'm saying I think Jimmy Kimmel, whatever he did that people are pissed off about, it's 
it's probably because he didn't know that that kind of thing could be problematic later. Uh, yeah. Mel Gibson obviously knew <laughs> what he was doing uh, back in the day was probably problematic. Although you, you you might you might ask a racist if they think that's that it's okay or not, and they're going to probably be like, uh, "I think it's totally okay to say the shit that he." I'm not equating Mel Gibson and Jimmy Kimmel. Let me let me put make that clear. I, I don't like I said I don't know where to be anymore on these type of things. Do we demonize these people for doing things that I don't think they believed was bad back then? Um, there were there were no I don't think that either the voices were quelled or they weren't loud enough back in the day to say this is fucked up what you're doing, mm. and there was no stigma about doing that th- type of thing, and 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 I don't think they would keep that shit up like readily available to watch if they knew that was going to be the, the fallout from it and everything. Um, I'm having a really hard time with this because I don't think that there was enough education at the time for some of this type of stuff. And please don't make me feel like I'm on an Island here. Um, <laughs> are there any specific ones that you you want to mention? Um, what do you mean? Instances. Well, Jimmy pe- Kimmel, people. Jimmy Kimmel, uh, apparently did a, a, a sketch. I don't think I've ever seen it. I've just seen the pictures of it where he, he, uh, did a full on makeup job to look like Carl Malone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if that sketch was him doing some stereotypical thing or if it even matters. You know what I mean? Right. Um, well, and. Jimmy Fallon had a similar thing a month ago where he had done a sketch on SNL where he was playing Chris Rock. Yes. I think it was Chris Rock. And Chris Rock even liked the impression, but he had worn dark makeup. Um, And so I think what you're saying is that we have to leave room for nuance. And I would agree with that completely. In, you know, the man show was on in the late 90s and early 2000s. And part of what contributes to these conversations is social media, right? Like Mm -hmm. my mom is not on social media. She's not sitting at home tonight going, ah, Jimmy Kimmel, he did a blackface sketch. She's, she has no freaking clue. <laughs> and so in 1999, before Facebook and Twitter, um, you know, there was no outrage machine to go to when they did a sketch where he played Carl Malone. I also think there's room to discuss, discuss, is there a difference between playing a specific person of color versus wearing blackface to play a generic person of color. Yeah. I'm not saying there is. I'm saying there's a discussion there to be had. So I think I agree with what you're saying. That's the question that I'm posing here, because I don't think I have the authority to actually uh, say one way or the other. I just feel like if these people thought this was in any way going to be something that 20 years down the road, they thought they would get in trouble for, they would have never done it. And I don't know if that means that they would have just kept some hateful shit down in their heart or whatever. I don't know. But like, well, I feel like we're relitigating things and we've talked about this before. We're relitigating things that like, I don't feel like they real like they really knew like there wasn't enough education back then to Either say that or, it's, bad. or it's being intentionally misunderstood now. Like, like a few weeks ago, a bunch of very young people tried to cancel Robert Downey Jr. because they found out about Tropic Thunder. Mm-hmm. Even though if you if you have half a brain, that's the point of Tropic yes. Thunder. Yep. He, 
he was making fun of people who would do that. He was not doing that himself. I saw this morning that Tina Fey has asked for four episodes of 30 Rock to be pulled. Yeah. Because they include people who wore blackface. One of them was, from what I read, I never watched 30 Rock. One of them was John Hamm, where he was in a sketch that was apparently a parody of Amos and Andy. Yeah. Now, again, I haven't seen the show, but that sounds like they were making fun of casual blackface. I cannot, I haven't, I don't remember the 30 rock episodes in question, but I can almost guarantee you that there was some sort of statement involved there. Now for some people, that's not going to be enough, even if it's a statement. Uh, but like, uh, but that, I mean, I'm sure they didn't do it because they, they didn't, they didn't do it in some like whimsical, like, ah, let's just do this, this laissez faire attitude towards race or anything. Well, you've got to do, you've got to separate, the actor from the character and the character from the project, because when it when it comes to Robert Downey Jr., there's several levels to that. I mean, mm-hmm. he even references in the movie, "I'm the dude playing the dude playing the dude." You know, yeah. It, it, I just recently watched The Hangover, and <clears throat> I think I was talking to Chris about it. Bradley Cooper's character in that uses all kinds of foul, uh, objectionable languages, homophobic slurs, stuff like that. Um, Zach Galifianakis uses uh, the R word uh, mm-hmm. without any sort of irony or anything like that. First of all, those are characters. Bradley Cooper's character is supposed to be an asshole, so he's just taking it up a, a notch. Um, he's also being directed to do that. So it's a question of uh, what do we attribute to the character, to the actor agreeing to say these things or to the direction or to the writing, that kind of thing. So that's where it gets even into, you know, the man show was all about no PC and that kind of thing. We're going to mm-hmm. act like little boys and that guy, we got titties and, and jumping and stuff like yeah, that. Girls on trampolines. Girls on trampolines. What I, I have seen that sketch many times, the Carl Malone sketch. What he's doing is Carl Malone. Carl Malone talks like this. He talks a lot like uh, Shaquille O'Neal. He's got this monotone voice. And that's what he's impersonating. The purpose of the sketch was to imitate Carl Malone's dialect and personality. Doesn't excuse the. He did the it on radio thing. before he ever did it on TV. Before he became a TV personality, he used to do a Carl Malone impersonation on his radio show. Um, so again, I think all you're asking for is a discussion and room for nuance, because I also think, and all of us would probably agree with this, that we have to leave room for us as a society to grow and mature and learn that maybe it wasn't okay. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, like, and and where do we draw this line is something I think we all have to figure out together. And like you said, Chris, we're not the authorities, uh, but it certainly seems like we may I don't even want to finish that statement. It certainly seems like there are at least a couple of instances that feel like maybe we've gone a little too far overboard. And like, I don't think Jimmy Kimmel was a racist. No, we're just trying. We're searching here. And I know what you're trying to say here. So I I don't think anybody should misconstrue this as, as, you know, as anything other than we're searching. The, The thing about the Mel Gibson thing that just struck me was that if this stuff had come out during the time that he got arrested and he said all that stuff, uh, back in the day and he you know he had the answering machine messages that had that awful shit on it and all that if that had come out then then in this revelation later wouldn't ma- make any difference today 
if they had just if they, somebody had just brought it up, you know, if Winona Ryder had just said something like, "Did you know he said that?" Yeah, we we heard about that back in the day when you know when we were uh, pissing on Mel Gibson for all the things that he said and everything. Um, it, the the fact that there is a timing issue here, like if that had come out during that time, then our quote unquote forgiveness of him. Not, I don't know how many people have really forgiven him, but um, uh, that his, his grace period or whatever would have already been over for that and everything. And, you know, whatever, whatever you decide on whether you should forgive Mel Gibson or not, I think enough has been said that he probably shouldn't be, but um but like it's just weird the timing of it we've already yeah. we've already gone over all of this stuff before now now were you okay with mel gibson up until this point and then matt comes out yeah. and you're That's just like, like oh well yeah. what a motherfucker oh, no. for saying yeah. that same stuff that he i said literally before. read the, i literally read the story and went oh well you mean mel gibson is a racist yeah. surprise yeah. like right. uh, we knew this already we're like Hollywood already let him back in for the most part. And yeah. now we're going to, I don't know. It's weird. I mean, I think you're right. We're searching and, uh, haven't found it yet. Yep. Yeah. So I, I don't mean to offend anybody, uh, on the, you know, who, who listen out there and everything. Just know that I'm just trying to figure out what the way is, because I feel like a lot of these times, a lot of these things, people either didn't know, or they just didn't have the, have people telling them that this was fucked up at the time or else they wouldn't have done it. They yeah. would have never done it if that was the case. Um, anyway, uh, semi rant over. Let's get to the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, a lot of you out there um, might be by yourself a lot these days. I know <laughs> I am. I'm by myself all the time. I was alone. Uh, I was and, by myself. Uh, <laughs> that's right. Nobody was looking. <laughs> um, uh, so we decided that we would go through some movies where people were by themselves. They were all alone. Mm-hmm. They're, they're either in an apocalypse or they've been thrown into a situation that they did not want. Um, and uh, so we're going to go over some, uh, some, some, uh, the solitary man or woman. I don't know if there's very many solitary women movies. There's, uh, there's a, f- a few solitary women's. Women's? Yeah. Women's? Uh, yeah. No, this uh, this appeals to me. First of all, movies like this appeal to me uh, just because it sets somebody in a completely different situation uh, that they're used to and they have to, to learn to adapt. Now, some of this is like survivalist, like Castaway or the – I didn't put this on this, but The, the Mountain Between Us or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or like Lord of the Flies, uh, things like that. Uh, but then some things are like moon where like you you sign up for something and you're just going to be alone. Um, and, and those always fascinate me, especially, especially the duos, right? Like the, the ones where, uh, one person's there and they find somebody else and they have to figure out if they get along and sometimes they don't get along, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you do the naked and afraid, right? Right. Tell me about naked and afraid. How often, What's the percentage that those two cats get along with each other uh, on a regular basis throughout most of the the journey? Yeah, it's got to be like 50-50. Really? So so half of the time they're working together, they're doing okay, and then half of the time they, they get into 
constant arguments uh, and stuff like that. I mean, I Jeremy's the, seen more than any of us, but the stress of the environment, I think, tilts the needle a little bit more toward conflict than harmony. But they um, also signed up for it too, so it's not like they were just thrown into a situation, uh, right? You know, so so there's yeah, so you know, you got that factor in there too. Uh, so anyway, I really like these types of movies, and since we're all hopefully. Please, God, tell me that you guys are in your own space, staying to yourself. If you have to go out, wear a goddamn fucking mask. Mm-hmm. But while you are inside, uh, we wanted to talk about isolative movies. Yeah. Uh, one of the uh, most uh, obvious ones right off the bat, I Am Legend. Yeah. Um, and uh, this movie's been made a few times, uh, but most famously with the Will Smith uh, that came out about 10, 11 years ago, somewhere around I there. just uh, caught a little bit of the Vincent Price version. Yeah, uh, Last Man on Earth. Last really? Man on Earth. I've it, seen the Charlton Heston version. I have not seen mm-hmm. that one. Is that one any good? Um, yeah, but it's not an isolation movie because he meets a bunch of people and like they're not like monsters they're like vampire motorcycle gang people. <laughs> um, <laughs> Aren't they stand-ins for hippies? They're more like, no, I know this. They're, they're stand-in for hippies, right? They're, I think so. Yeah. Vampire yeah. Motorcycle <laughs> gang. Of course they are. <laughs> and um, uh, it, it, it's good. It's just it's it's apparently pretty different from the book, even though well they, they, that one's called Omega Man, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I love the Will Smith one. Um, I think the alternate ending uh, on the DVD would have been better as the original ending. That doesn't kill anything for me, though. What um, was the alternate ending again? Okay, so the original ending is... They get to um, the, the Peace Palace. <laughs> the, they, they, I'm trying they to remember. To Shangri-La, right? Okay, so he puts them in the in the iron oven thing so that they'll can survive the blast it's like a kiln or something i don't know what it is no it's an um, escape route they get out right ah uh, fuck man because he blows himself up and i mean they're they're gone regardless you're you're in the right area he puts them in a, a little vault thing whether they escape or whether they just survive the blast uh okay instead of blowing himself up and the hemocytes with a grenade he discovers that the hemocytes actually came for the female he captured earlier in the movie. He relieves her of her, of the cure and returns her to them, and they go away, and he survives. So I'm wrong. I prefer the original ending, not the alternate ending. I prefer the version where he dies. Oh, oh, the alternate ending. He lives. Yes. Wow. He gives back the he gives the back the girlfriend because the main vampire monster guy he's mad because Will stole his girl. Uh huh. He uses that trap thing and steals her so he gives her back and they're all like okay and they leave see that's dumb that it's is better dumb. that he blows himself up. i like that he blows himself up i was thinking that you you didn't like the fact that they found like a refuge later on um, i mean i could give her i could take or leave that yeah. I, I would rather it be ambiguous uh yeah. but the first hour and a half is i mean you have to have somebody who's like charming as hell to carry this movie, but this was also one of the first movies where Will didn't do much comedy. Mm-hmm. And there's some PTSD at work here, man, where mm-hmm. he's talking to mannequins in the video store. Um, <clears throat> and the way that he quotes Shrek when the, when he finally does meet that woman and the kid is watching it, that like he's been through some shit and he does a really, really good job. I think it's one of his best performances. 
Yeah. This it's is also a, hilariously a fictional Batman v Superman poster or banner in Times Square in this movie <laughs> well before they had greenlit or decided to make that movie. Yep. Um yeah, this was uh this was funny to this was funny to me because the the movie is called I Am Legend and basically took away why that book was even called that in the first place. Um if you ever have read the book, uh you know, the the conceit of that book is just that uh the 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 vampires or whatever are the society at that point. They're the society and there's this guy, this outlier who keeps killing all of them. And <laughs> that's why he's called I am legend the all the the vampires slash zombies or whatever uh have they've formed this new society and and uh and he's a legend just like you know he's he's a legend to them because he's he's a completely different being that has been killing them this whole time and and uh he realizes that uh the society has to has to execute him by the end of it because that's exactly what humans would do to a vampire or whatever if a vampire was going around killing all of them and everything that's how the i am legend comes into to place i like this movie so much but i hate the fucking vampires i hate them they look Mm -hmm. so awful well that it takes me out of the movie that's the only knock yeah yeah they spent all the cg money on on um jungle-fying new york city with the overgrowth yeah and and it looks great uh and they didn't have enough left, and so the it looks like half finished animation. Um, but you know, monsters are monsters. I, I will over that. I'm, I just think Will is that good. He just I will say it. that the the trailer with him surrounded by those zombies in the dark got everybody oh. into the theater. It's it's one of those money shots for trailers. Um, oh yeah, to, to to get people in the theater, and it was uh, it was great. Uh, here's a movie I know Jeremy has seen. I've never seen it. All is lost. Woo! All I've is seen lost. This. It fucking rules, man. Sure. Basically, I think there's a, another voice, but it's basically Robert Redford the entire time. There's nobody else, uh, sharing the screen. It's basically a boat adrift in the middle of the ocean and he's definitely going to die until he starts sciencing some shit and drinking his own pee and making floaties and he learned that by watching Waterworld. Exactly. <laughs> well, he's on a boat, but the boat starts and I don't think this is a, a spoiler, the boat starts sinking. Right. And so he's got to figure out, you know, it's it's putting your holes in holes in the dike, your fingers in the, <laughs> right, in the holes right. in the dike. Yeah. And he's got to put your holes in to, there. <laughs> yeah, he put your holes in there. Uh and he's got to figure out how to do this. And he's doing, I think, the lion's share of his own stunts, his own like acting in this. Uh, and he's in his seventies at this point. And uh, it, you, you got to have uh, some Robert Redford-sized uh, yabbles to pull that off. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's a great acting performance. There's very little dialogue. Uh, most of it is just watching him work through the various hurdles and uh i thought it was great i've only seen it the one time but uh i would highly recommend it yeah it's a it's a big recommend and that is as isolative as you can get he's the only person in the movie Mm. right (laughs) yeah yeah on to in the shallow the shallow oh no the shallows oh no man blake lively is a good singer 
Yeah, yeah, <laughs> indeed. I don't know uh, what movie we're talking about. You've all uh, seen this, right? The the Blake Lively where with the shark and and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah we send yeah. it. In fact, I, I, was it you and me, Barrett, on this? Yeah, one? it was. It was you and me. I no. really, really like this movie. I wrote no. on it. Maybe you all of us wrote on it. I definitely wrote on it. There's no way I would have seen this movie otherwise. Was it and then? I, it was. Was it was just then? It was it you two? And I'm forgetting that I that I didn't write on it. I don't know. I don't think but, it would have been all three of us. That would have been stupid. Waste <laughs> 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 everybody's time. <laughs> I promise um, you, there's no way I would have ever watched this movie otherwise. I mean, I, I, I can't. Rem- I know I've seen it, but I can't remember if I saw it because, hey, that's a movie I want to watch, or if it was we I just had to send it or whatever. But anyway, The Shallows is a shark movie. It's Blake Lively <laughs> on a on a rock, and, and uh, some of the most like unfortunate timing with ambient noise when she's shouting to people on the beach like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah multiple attempts to call to people on the beach and for some reason there's a they can't hear her ever right well, there's one guy that hears her because he, he starts coming out and she's like no 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 don't come out and he's like it's cool i got you shark yeah and like, just, <laughs> yeah. He, he like deep blue sees him <laughs> yeah <laughs> um uh, this is, yeah i like this movie this is one of those movies that i feel like it, it it it's better than you think it's gonna be i don't know if it's even like good but like it's better than you think it's gonna be or something like well, i i, I watched this going yeah she's fine but like i i was like sitting there going yeah i mean this is this is your typical shark movie um and uh and 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 it's better than i thought it would be i thought it would be horrible 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 uh and i'm sort of giving it a pass is what i felt like when i watched the shallows for the first time well she uh she does pretty much command the screen i mean she's injured initially mm-hmm. she's a medical student so like she knows the the shit to do uh with whatever she's got she's on a fucking rock um and so she you know she's smart uh, she figures out how to treat herself, treat yourself, uh, yeah. how to treat herself and how to figure out a way through this. And it, it's a really interesting concept because she's only what, like she's in the shallows. She's mm-hmm. only like 30 feet away from the shore. Yeah. But like this, this shark has got a, a massive shark boner for her and he's going to eat her up. Now the thing about this, right? She gets... <laughs> Well, I mean, Blake Lively. There's, 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 there's no species that goes unboner. Up. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, that's just the way it is. But um, it, the, the, this one, she's she's taken to this place, right? And then she decides by herself to be navigating these waters. She's surfing. Uh, these yeah, waters. she's surfing. She's uh, she is going to the beach where that it's special to her and her mom who just recently right. passed away from cancer. And so she found the secret beach that her mom always talked about. That's the other thing is that it's this great surfing beach that no one knows about except <laughs> mm-hmm. the 52 people that stroll along the beach the whole time. Right. And these two <laughs> and these two other dudes who show up and get eaten. Um, yeah, yeah. But, but uh, yeah, I, um, yeah, I mean it's better than I it's better than I thought it was. It's pretty good. Uh it's going to always uh sort of uh now that I've seen 47 meters down, 
is going to blend with that movie. Although those movies are are different. That one's more of an underwater thing in a cage uh, all the way through. But the the happenstance by where they get to this point, I'm always going to be like, okay, so wait, did Blake Lively meet the dude and the dude? Yeah. The ghost girl? You're like, no, <laughs> that's 47 meters similar. down. That's 47 meters <laughs> no, down. No, it's man four. Uh, yeah. uh, 47 meters down, by the way, also a surprisingly decent movie. Yeah, also a movie that is better than you would think it would be, yeah, but yeah, yeah. not great. Pretty um, Girls, tracked by Sharks. Right. Uh, the next on the list is a, is a movie that, uh, you know, is you may not have heard of it still. Um, <laughs> it's a, it, we, we, uh, Barrett and I interviewed the director for this Vivarium. Vivarium. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. It came out in what? April. Is that when it yeah. came out? Yeah. Um, on, uh, I'm, I'm guessing it's still on like VOD and stuff like that. Um, it is, it is. Yeah. This is an unusual film. Actually, all three of us have seen the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. but, uh, the, uh, it's about a couple, Jesse Eisenberg and uh, Imogene Poots are a couple who want to buy a house and uh, and uh, they go to this uh, real estate agent who's really bizarre. He's an odd, he's an odd duck. Yeah. And uh, he, he, he leads them into this new neighborhood that looks like one of these prefab type of things where they're like, hey, you know, it's like the Truman Show or something. Like mm-hmm. they have all these houses, houses that are the same uh and everything and they take them deep into this like neighborhood shows them the house and then he mysteriously disappears dun, dun, dun. and then jesse eisenberg and imogene poops are like well that's enough house watching for the day or house hunting <laughs> for the day let's go home but they can't find their way out it's dun, an in- dun, dun. <laughs> it's an infinite it's an infinite madness that they're in um yep. so yeah uh, it's an unusual flick. This movie uh, is fucking uh, weird. Yeah, it man. is. This is probably what hits home most for for our current times right now. Is that they have nowhere to go. They're literally mm-hmm. just two two people for the time being. Uh, <laughs> two, two people in a house with no escape whatsoever. It doesn't matter what they do and that kind of thing. So it's interesting. We've been watching some uh, movies in advance recently. Uh, one like this, a shelter in place type of thing. One about like an infectious quarantine type of thing. Uh, one about some singularity or something like that. Oh, one about uh, Juneteenth, right before Juneteenth came out. Mm-hmm. So uh, we've been having very relevant things coming out uh, recently. Yeah, this movie. I would I would recommend this movie just for the sheer creativity of it. Uh, it's yeah. it's debatable how many of you would like it or love it, but like it's worth watching. I agree um, with that. That's the best way to say that. Mm-hmm. I think that's uh, a really good way to say that because it's fuck it's fucking weird. Yeah, but man. <laughs> I'm I'm glad I watched it. Uh, yeah. I don't know that I would say I liked it. So there you go. Yeah, like it's 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 one it's one thing to be like a bad movie and you're just like, oh, this is just atrocious or whatever. I can't even call this movie bad. It's just an interesting movie to watch. And like you're either going to love it or you're going to be like, I hated it. But man, I was my attention was I was kept wrapped all the way through it. So <laughs> what what does that say about me? Um, uh, then we have Gravity. Gravity. Mm. George Clooney died. Um <laughs> <laughs> um 
you know, it's a weird kind of isolation, right? Mm-hmm. Because she can see everybody. <laughs> but she's sure hey, alone. Hey, you guys! <laughs> I'm up here! <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. <laughs> Somebody else has to talk about this. Is uh, a, this is a movie that I could put on, even though it's it's anxious and everything. I can put on and have a good time with, really, mm-hmm. like any time, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. I think the the main thing is we've talked about gravity. Like this is one of those movies that crosses over every single topic that you go through. Like <laughs> best movies, best of the decade, best blah blah blah, and all this. And then of course. We come up with a topic like this, and it also fits into this. <laughs> um, but yeah, she's she's alone as shit up there, isn't she? <laughs> <laughs> she's super she alone. Indeed. She's super she, alone. She has to. She's. Uh, I mean, she has to. Much like uh, we've talked about with Mark Watney and Robert Redford and all his law, she has to figure out the problem. She has to understand where she's at, and like you know, okay. I need to sit down and I need to think I need to get to this. I need to tackle the problem one by one. I can't worry about this and that because I need to do this first and, uh, and, uh, so on. And so, um, yeah, not to impugn her character or anything relative to Mark Watney or anything, but it seems like she accidentally is a few things. Well, yeah, she's a, she's not an astronaut. Like she's not. And and she's, she's not doing, She's not using her skills necessarily like Mark using botany skills or right. Redford using whatever skills or maritime skills or anything like that. You know, if it if it's not for jo- Ghost George Clooney and if it's not for him telling her to go to the Chinese uh, space station in the first place, uh, you know, she doesn't really make it. It's her, it's her will that's really impressive in this. It's not we necessarily it. her, you know. Uh, science we may get a movie in between gravity and the martian because andy weir's next book is about an astronaut who wakes up alone in an aircraft in space and it's going to star ryan gosling and it's being written by uh cabin in the woods um oh um drew goddard drew goddard and it's directed by lord miller yeah yeah that was that uh announcement that they made what uh two or three weeks ago or so yep. Yep. Um, although uh drew goddard only just came on like a couple of days ago well, hold, yeah. well how, but the book hasn't been written yet has it this is correct yes oh, so it, they're gonna do like a 2001 type of thing where they release the book and the movie at the same time no my guess is the book is done in the sense that there's an advanced reader copy or a draft that I drew see. goddard can then and of course drew goddard wrote the Martian screenplay, so he's used to working for. I'm Andy. down with every every part of that announcement. Yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. man. It sounds. I awesome. mean, yeah, it sounds great. Um, uh, then we have, of course, Castaway. This is a movie that you probably thought of immediately when this topic came up. Um, I've always had a tr- I've always had trouble with the uh, titling of this movie. Mm. Two words, Me too. and I was thinking about it. I was, uh, I was thinking. It has to be intentional, right? Like he is cast away. He, yeah, it's 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 an action more than it is he but is a not. castaway. He's not though. 
I, yeah, I don't think he is. I don't think he's shunned from society or anything like that. He's kind of a dick, but like, yeah, I, I, I have the same problem. And I was thinking about that as I was writing it down. I was like, he's what if not it's really a, cast away. What if it's for copyright reasons? Oh, what would be well, the other castaway? Well, and, and even so, there's so many movies out there from so many other, like there's so many movies named the same thing out there. Um, yeah. That I don't know why, where they would run into an issue of not being able to put it all as one word, but maybe in this particular instance, there's another uh, movie where a guy uh, uh, crashes a FedEx plane onto an <laughs> island. <laughs> you know like we won't call it the one word castaway we'll do the we'll do the vanilla ice thing with so, like you know, ice do we ice know, baby do we know for a fact like the, how the fedex thing went down is this product placement um or is it like some kind of weird collaboration because it's so fedexy in the first 30 minutes you feel like somebody some money changed hands somewhere, right? Definitely, FedEx is definitely a major like product placement, like very much involved. And in even though the plane goes down and their dude gets stranded for like five years on an island, that's ballsy. And he it still says, delivers uh, the package. That's that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It's according to Wikipedia to so take it for what it's worth. But FedEx, which was paid no money for product placement in the film saw an increase in brand awareness in Asia and Europe following the film's release. So they did, they provided their facilities and mm-hmm. logistical support and stuff like that, but they maybe didn't get they just, paid for a product placement. Maybe they just knew from being in a Tom Hanks movie that it would be, you know, I'll get, I'll just give them whatever they want. And then you know we'll, who told them that the empire state building. Mm-hmm. They saw an increase in visits after sleepless in Seattle. You think yeah. I'm fucking joking? No. I, I I'm don't. joking. No, I don't. no, I'm just imagining the Empire State Building leaning over to talk yeah. to FedEx. Hey, FedEx. Mm-hmm. Hey, yeah. Here's how you can make money. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, I don't. I don't remember what it was. What was it? Was it maybe birds in the engine or something? Like birds flew in the engine, or is that? I don't know. There's like a million. No, it's like a storm, isn't it? Yeah, yeah there's a storm. storm. Yeah. But yeah, because they get they get tossed around. That's a thrilling plane crash scene, by the way, mm-hmm. because he gets knocked out for a second, and then you see all the stuff just shifting around because there's boxes, there's people, there's the you know the plane tears in half and stuff like that. And of course, it's nighttime, and the the, the effects don't hold up all that well. But you can see Hanks looks like he's going through absolute hell. Like he, he looks confused and everything. And then as he's buffeted around by the, the water and everything, he just looks terrified, but still figuring out a way to get that life raft, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and man, when they, before they crash, I agree with you on the effects. They don't hold up super well, but there is a moment there because I think their instruments go out. Yeah. And so they don't really know where they are in relation to the water. And there's a moment where the storm clears just enough for them to see the waters like a hundred feet in front of them. And then it yeah. comes back to Hanks who's looking out and uh, there's this like silent panic. Um, I like this movie. I think I'm on record eight or nine times about hating the last 20, 30 minutes, but I like the movie as a whole. I think I'm with you. I, I go back and forth. Sometimes I, I actually don't mind the Helen Hunt stuff. I mind everything around that because it's so anticlimactic. It's just I like, think right. that ending would be amazing if we hadn't seen it in the fucking trailer. 
Mm. Oh yeah, no shit. <laughs> I, I'm fine with the ending. Right. I, I I think this is exactly how that shit would go down, and mm. that's why I've always liked that ending. Now, maybe it goes on a little bit too long. Uh, maybe there's just you know just maybe we shouldn't even really have it. Maybe she just moves on, and we know that she's moved on, and he's just like, all right. Well, I'm gonna have to just go ahead and put him at the crossroads by the time it's you know at the end. But um, I, I I've always liked this ending because it's ballsy and like they try to kind of have their cake and eat it too because she goes out in the rain and there's a kiss and all that. But like it's adultery. Yeah, yeah, it is. No um, kisses. No kisses. <laughs> it's not no adultery kisses. if you're already married to the guy. <laughs> they weren't married. She's still married to him. I mean, they weren't oh, married. They were not they weren't married. married. Oh, they weren't married. Nope. No, they were oh, just yeah. boyfriend girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's adult. They were living in sin. Yes, they <laughs> were. <laughs> that's also, um, you know, not adultery, but it's the same in the Lord's eyes. That's right. <laughs> 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 uh, on to yeah. moon. moon the sam rockwell is alone movie you're not mm-hmm. going in any kind of alphabetical order at all nope. are you okay. nope i'm going in the order that basically came i'm going on the order that barrett vomited on the email <laughs> um now and we're not this covering was, everything by the way if this was alphabetical there's a chance that i might have uh gone around on a different like you know uh, order or whatever because there's really i don't know just it would it would i don't know it would i like the fact that this is not in any particular order this time yeah. um but uh i even though i haven't seen moon in forever and uh and i love but i love that movie but uh sam rockwell is on the moon and he's like i think it was it mining is he mining mm-hmm. something yep um yep. and uh and uh he he goes about this uh every day this routine and then there is a point where he is informed of another crew, like vehicle that has crashed somewhere and he finds out that he's not alone da 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 um, <laughs> <laughs> um and uh i mean is this a movie we can just go ahead and spoil or do we yeah, still want to it happens not in the first tw- well i think you can spoil what you're what you're talking about what happens mm-hmm. in the first 20 minutes okay yeah it's a it's another him yeah it's another sam rockwell and he's he's about he's about to find out um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah he's about to find out that he's not the first of his of uh, of the sam rockwells that have been up there doing this uh doing this mining uh expedition and he's uh he 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 finally runs into one that's like living i think is the is the thing like he doesn't it's there's a living sam rockwell that's out there instead of all of them being dead and then you know uh but i don't know how many what what is the iteration do we remember which iteration of him i'm not sure they ever say uh i do know there's a shot down a long hallway at one point that suggests you know potentially hundreds Mm-hmm. but um i'm not sure they ever say it's just that it's been going on for a while um because you know he calls his wife and talks to his wife and yada yada but then later on he gets outside his own zone and i think that's the other thing too is i think there are multiple hymns in multiple zones on the moon mm-hmm. at once 
I yeah. don't know. Now we've now we've just completely spoiled the whole fucking thing. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but that's okay because I think the movie is really enjoyable. I've seen it three times, and it's just mm-hmm. as much fun, even when you've seen it or know what's coming, because Rockwell gives two excellent performances. Um, and <clears throat> excuse me, I'm cho- I'm dry choking, but um, that's just how much I love this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, Kevin Spacey, you know, he's he's, he's doing his Hal, his like funnier Hal version, doing a funny Hal, yeah. and you know, he's in the movie. If that's something you wanted to avoid, uh, playing Gertie. Gertie, but it is one of the most original um, sci-fi movies I think I've maybe ever seen, um, and it's a reason that um, he has a career directing because yeah. this is so good. Weirdly enough, the clones were created by Nikola Tesla. Yeah, that's true. Who, who was played by David Bowie, yeah, the father of Duncan Jones. Oh, that's right. There you were. <laughs> nailed it we knew we would be able to tie it in somehow it's a loose tie but we've tied it um yeah moon's great if you haven't seen moon go and go and uh, watch that motherfucker all right everybody it is time to talk about movie once again and uh man there was a movie on there's a movie on there that uh I remember coming out and back in the day but i i never got a chance to see it i had totally forgotten about it Barrett, I know you saw this movie, Sex and Lucia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 2002 came out in in the U.S. And it seems like a Pedro Almodovar, Almodovar? I I think it is Almodovar, but I I often say Almodovar just to be very quick about it. It it seems like that, but for a couple of reasons. First of all, just the, the color palette, the way it's shot. The fact that the the lead actress Paz Vega looks a lot like Penelope Cruz, yeah. who he works with a lot, but this is not him. This is Julio Madem, which is very very interesting because he has a very specific, not only directorial style, but also a, like a storytelling style. And so, like what you think of when you you see this movie and see the trailer and that kind of thing is it's all about the fucking, and it's the yeah. it's the fucking. And there mm-hmm. is fucking in this this movie. There is. It's not all, right. all. It's not all fucking. And in fact, like ninety eight percent of it will 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 arouse your noodle. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> will arouse yeah. Your, your brain <laughs> for sure. My noodle. That's, that's what I call it. My noodle's aroused. Yes. Uh, no. No. It will. It, it is a whole different animal. There was one point in this movie where I literally had to stop it and say hold on, what are the connections between this character and this character and this character and this, am I missing something? Because I think I just found out something, but it wasn't clear. This is a very labyrinthine movie and Mm -hmm. it's very, very cool. It's not perfect. The sex is actually almost as campy sometimes as showgirls, but Mm -hmm. like, well, maybe not that bad, but, uh, but this has a lot more meat on the bone than just the thick and yeah yeah for sure uh uh a very interesting movie um I, I i i really really liked it um they have a a sort of a double feature type of thing going on right now too and i've seen one part of that the uh, there's um they have a, a, a in a 1983 a movie called wild style came out and mm. it was uh and it covers sort of the 
uh, burgeoning rap scene and uh, of of, uh, the Bronx back in the day. Um, and you have like people like Grandmaster Flash and, and, uh, and, and others showing up in this movie and everything. Uh, it's, it's mainly focuses on this one graffiti artist guy. That's another art that they sort of explore in this movie is graffiti and how, you know, uh, what the proper graffiti is, is you got to go in, you got to sneak into a place, you got to sneak into a train yard, you got to, you got to make, you got to put it, you know, you got to, <laughs> you got to do your trademark thing, you know, and, and, uh, the, the guy in this movie, his character's name is Zorro with one R. So like his, his big thing is going around like, you know, getting into these old train yards and putting his mark on these trains that will eventually be on tracks and we'll be able to see going across his apartment building and everything like that. Uh, and another art form that's slightly uh, covered in this is breakdancing. You see a lot of breakdancing <laughs> yeah. in this too, but like, it's kind of, it's a really interesting type of movie. There's not much plot to it at all. Like the main plot quote unquote is that this guy Zorro is, uh, is, and, and the graffiti movement is getting some attention from, from, uh, from like news outlets and stuff. And there's this one reporter who's, who's coming there to like cover them and everything. And there's this sort of this debate as to whether you can really do graffiti for lots and lots of money and be famous for it. Um, uh, And is it, does it, does it even count as graffiti anymore? If you can just do art like out in public that everybody uh, sanctions, Uh, you know, whereas, you know, in this, in in, he, there's a big speech in there where this guy's like, you know, you want to go in and, you know, you gotta, you gotta feel like, you know, you're there, something's on the line when you do this type of thing, you you know, to do real graffiti, to do real, to do your real art. It's to, to be doing it as an outlaw. It's not to be doing it when everybody says it's okay to do it and everything. Is this a documentary? uh, It's not a documentary at all. Okay. And it just, it kind of has the feel of one in some ways, but it's not. And, uh, and it's, it just, it, in a way, I'll tell you how it really feels like it's a documentary is that it really does just transport you to this time in the early eighties before rap had really become what that, you know, had become popular among everybody and everything. Mm. It took it another good, probably 10 years, maybe longer for it to become mainstream, and everything and that early early rap you'll you'll recognize it because this is what uh this is what people who don't know anything about rap end up trying to emulate yeah. a lot of times we see an early battle on in this movie uh it's not like a battle where they're like saying the most worst and filthy things to each other or anything it's just more about it's more about it's more about like uh uh, you know, uplifting yourself more than anything. Like they're saying their name many times in the thing. And like all the ladies come down to, to, to meet me and all the, you know, everybody lo- feels my power and all that stuff. It's not really about you're a bunch of bag of dicks or something like that. You <laughs> That's know, what Jeremy so- does every, every pre-roll. <laughs> exactly. <of> every <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, Wild South is very interesting. There's another movie that came out of London in 1980 called Babylon, which I have not seen yet which uh, covers, I think it covers some of the same ground. So uh, interesting time Mm. capsules going on there. A great double feature there. Nice. There's actually in the library, Jeremy, I'm pretty sure you've seen Old Boy before, right? The original one? 
Yep, and I've also seen isn't uh, Animal Crackers still on there? The, yeah, the Marx Brothers, the, the, the Marx yeah. Brothers one. Yeah, that's a classic. Yeah. Uh, I've seen that a couple times. Uh, I never got super into the Marx Brothers. Uh, probably not as much as I should have, but that movie I've seen a few times, and and it's really funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and all this is in the 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 main lineup that they have thirty movies at a time. Uh, and then one gets uh, moved to the uh, the library as another one is added to it. So you've got this constant rotation, this replenishing. It's like a trout pond of movies, of cine- cinematography. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's amazing. And y- you can get it. You can get it. You you listening right here through your ear holes. Me? No, mm-hmm. not you. Well, you're listening oh. through your ear holes. But the, the person that I'm talking to it knows who they are. And they know they're not you. You can get Mubi for free for 30 days. I'm pointing. I'm pointing at this person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can get Mubi <laughs> for 30 days free by going to Mubi.com slash CinemaSense. M-U-B-I.com slash CinemaSense. 30 days free. The whole mm-hmm. the whole kit and caboodle. The whole shebang. The whole only. The, the, the thing. The, the lineup. The library, it's all yours. And, if only and you could see all these gestures that Barrett's making. We want to uh, give it to you. We want you <laughs> to have the cinematic wonderfulness that is movie. And you can get it for 30 days free. Movie.com slash CinemaSins. Okay, uh, we've said it. <laughs> 127 hours. The James oh, Franco. Jesus. Um, nope. Yeah. Have you seen this movie all the way through, Jeremy? Nope. Or have I, you ever even started it? I I intentionally avoided it for forever. It came up on the podcast at one point. I knew I didn't want to watch beyond the point of his accident, but I watched the first 15, 20 minutes where he runs into those girls. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then right at the point that I knew he was falling, I was like, this is it. I'm checking out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, Going I think it's what is, note. It, is it Kate Mara and uh and Amber Tamlin that he runs yes. into? Yeah, yes. Um and then yeah, then he's he's there's some place that he's dying to go to, uh, but he goes alone and it's not uh it's not the type of place that's recommended for people to just go alone to because of the very thing that happens where he falls down in this thing and he's trapped under a rock. The rest of the movie is him sort of just like talking to himself and like remembering things in the past. And, uh, you know, it's it's one of those where like a bunch of flashbacks. And then I think he's hoping he's going to get rescued, but he realizes that that's not going to happen. And of course, you know, I mean, this is not a, I mean, everybody knows what this movie's about. He has to cut his own arm off to, to mm-hmm. get out. And then the mm-hmm. question is, can you tolerate it when it gets to that point? Um, uh, because I, see, I can't even get close. He's not even, he doesn't have a machete either. He has to do it with like, I don't know, a toothbrush <laughs> and <Is> like, it- <laughs> 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 may as well be. Yeah. <laughs> and uh and it's one of those type of things where like you know it's not only that oh he's got to cut through his bone he's got to cut through it with something that's like not going to make this quick yeah and, it's uh, a pocket knife yeah you know um, he's he's good in this mm-hmm. it is james franco he's a good actor right <sighs> kind Depends. of hard to i don't know if i've ever 
gone into a James Franco movie and came out of it going, God damn, that guy is fucking amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I have, I've, I've seen some comedies where I'm like, he's funny, but like, I haven't ever seen a movie where I'm just like that motherfucker is the next James Dean. Like he's always been compared to. Um, Yeah. He doesn't seem to have a fastball. I don't think, I mean, Pineapple Express is excellent, but the the movie itself is excellent, and he's playing a stoner drug dealer in it. And you know, even in Disaster Artist, he's fantastic, but he's playing a very specific type. It's an it's an imitation. It's uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's something that you know. There's about a hundred other people out there can do a Tommy Wiseau. Uh, So I mean, this may be his best acting performance yeah i've never been drawn into one of his performances like I, yeah. I like like yeah like i said he's good in this he's perfectly serviceable he's got a couple of comedies that i like him in like pineapple express the interview i think he's pretty funny yeah. in uh and you know he he he's always been like okay but like i've just never been i've never seen him it's it's either because he's never been in a movie that that could uh do that or it's more likely is just the fact that he just uh, it doesn't have the capability of being that kind of actor the, um, the the caveat here that i should say is it's spring breakers spring breakers is a whole different animal well yeah but it even that movie that's a comedy that's a comedy for yeah, him yeah, yeah, well yeah, and he's yeah, yeah. also i mean it's a it's a it's a fictional version but he's he's playing a a real person in, in like there's a real person in florida that that character is based on that mm-hmm. he was able to research by watching and listening to clips of. And so he I'm trying to think if I knew that or not, I don't think I did. He there, built there's that an actual around, alien or wh- whatever his, his name is not alien. Like, like <laughs> they fictionalized this guy, but it's based on it's, it's very, very well known from what I understand. He might've even consulted with them. Um, <laughs> he's like he goes into the real guy and he's like check out my shit yeah. look at all I'm my shit I'm telling you man it, it could be as much an imitation as the Tommy was stuff yeah I mean it, it's a, it, uh, he had that period of time there where he had he had done Spider-Man and then he came there were like these movies like Tristan and Isolde that came out and like I think it was like <laughs> city by the sea and these these type of movies came out and they and those were supposed to be like jumping points for him but that just i mean every actor has that sort of minefield that they have to go through whatever but he's had and nothing is really ever like nothing is ever like really like nothing none of the movie choices or tv choices he was even on a soap opera for a while yeah um none of those things have ever like derailed him. It's of course all the other stuff that's derailed him. But um, yeah, I just, uh, I I don't know. He's never been that kind of actor for me. I, I, I mean, I like him as an actor, but mm-hmm. um, just to, just to clarify, uh, I, I, I Wikipedia while you were talking and there's, there's a rapper named Riff Raff um, that uh, Harmony Corrine, uh, Corrine actually contacted about maybe being in the film. Then that dude saw the trailer and thought they had based Alien off of himself, Riff Raff. Then the filmmakers said no, uh, and Franco even said, we based it off a Florida rapper named Dangerous, R-U-S-S. 
And so apparently it's loosely based on both because Franco admitted he looked at some of Riff Raff's videos as inspiration. So, mm-hmm. again, my point stands that he could have been doing an impression as much as right. he was doing acting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Um, then we have a movie that is near and dear to everybody's hearts, Passengers. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Talk about the a one? dude that can't handle quarantine. No shit. Right? Although, you know, give him credit. He went at least a year and we're only on <laughs> month four. That's true. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And plenty of, plenty of us are already growing our hair long and walking around naked all the time. And he didn't get that way for several months. So <laughs> I do think the movie gets, uh, isolation, right? Um, it shows you that section of him, you know, waking up to basically where he's drunken, naked and long hair bearded before he passes out and wakes up and sees Jennifer Lawrence, that 20 minutes of him slowly going mad, I think is done really, really well. And I think it portrays like if you woke up too early on a ship that had 90 more years to go and you knew you were going to die, I don't think it would take very long for most of us to crack. No way, dude. That ship is fucking stocked, though. Now, he can't get to, like, the... Once he does the hack, and he can get to, like, the, the premium shit, like, although, except for the, the breakfast, which doesn't make any sense to me. He's eating in a fucking sushi restaurant, but he can't get the the, the, co- the premium coffee. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, he's got video games. He's got a fully stocked bar. He's got a dude to talk to, at least with pleasantries. Uh, you've got, you can go walk out in space. Like I would last probably 30 years. Like no just way. doing shit. No oh, way. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. No way. Oh, yeah. No way. I may end up like eating or drinking myself to death, but fuck, you know, just <laughs> live it up. You're basically living at like the Taj Mahal or something like that. Look, that's let's, fucking rules. Let's just, let's just all agree that we wouldn't have woken anybody up, uh, early because yes. we were lonely and we would have ended up using Michael Sheen as our it's our sex slave by the yeah. time. <laughs> I, I think we can all agree with that. You yes. stand on the bar. Yeah, exactly. I, I, might like, I don't have, know where to put it, man. But I uh, might even have fucked that breakfast cereal machine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> It it, it it falls in line with, you know, when they say they're, that you're not good enough, that you want to fuck it more. Uh, you know, you know what's, <laughs> you know what, what else is. Class passengers. <laughs> they, uh, they, uh, 
they have this out <laughs> at the end of the uh, the pod, the medical pod that can put you in stasis. Mm-hmm. So, and he finds that within. I mean, how long are they together? Like another year? It's been like yeah, a, like a like little that. over two years is the the course of the movie. So once he fixes the ship, which I think he he'd find a way to fix the ship, he find the pod. Everything everything's fine. So you don't give up. You don't go mad. Like in a ship like that, what I'm saying is that a you've got endless entertainment, and b you can probably figure out a way. Even a like blue collar dude like him can figure out a way to fucking like science your way out of it. What you can't so, do is manifest chickens out of thin air. Apparently, you can. Mm. You cannot. Those machines, those cereal machines, are not popping out a chicken. But <laughs> at the end, when they got all that growth, there's chickens. Yeah, there's chickens there. I yeah. we don't we don't know though. Is there is there a room where they've like uh, they put the chickens under a stasis? Listen, if that shit has a chicken back. hibernation room and did not show it to us in the movie, yeah. I'm even more pissed. I know. I want to see a chicken in one of those pods, right? Right, fucking now. It's just like slowly <laughs> rotating around. Like this is what it's gonna look like when it's cooked. <laughs> um yeah i i i I don't know i feel like there's uh that this is one of those this is one of those movies where obviously chris pratt's character is uh is is an awful person but like uh it's the it's the infrastructure right where you have this whole idea that nothing can go wrong with our ship ever yep like totally ignoring the uh totally ignoring everything you know about space yeah. uh and and you have this like whatever it is trillions of dollar industry uh, sending people to these what is it is it a moon or a planet that they're getting sent it's to like another planet. planet yeah and uh and like they're they're uh you know it's it's one of those things where like what if something does go wrong? Fuck that. We're never wrong. Yeah, never it's, it's anything like the, wrong. It's like <laughs> the Snowpiercer thing, right? It's like, uh, well, the response the, the is always, never it's, stop. it's not even that, it, that you're right, but it, it's more specifically, nothing has ever gone wrong with these. It's like the right. Jurassic Park uh, Simpsons episode where nothing can possibly go wrong. Basically are just using like shitty uh, interpretation of data because it has never happened it can never happen um it's really really stupid. i was talking about this uh it, i mean this is this goes all the way back to even something like the right stuff and i was talking about the right stuff the other day with somebody and like uh there's a scene in there where all the astronauts uh, are meeting up with the engineers and they're and they're looking at the the lander capsule or whatever and they're like well, what about the the door with the explosive bolts we need that and everything and the engineers are like you don't need explosive bolts on that hatch uh and and they're like well what if something goes wrong it's like well nothing's gonna go wrong well how do you know well because we'll be doing checks and rechecks and he's like he's and the guy was like uh yeah still need the explosive bolts you know because <laughs> because all this stuff that all this stuff that you plan for and that you have uh, a record of of perfect uh you know perfect uh operation and everything there's always that one in a thousand chance that something's going to happen it's yep. absurd that they would make a, a, a ship where somebody gets woken up and they can't call back to somewhere and say yep. hey this is fucked up can somebody help me out here you know <laughs> 
So yeah, he even goes and sends that message, and he's like mildly excited. And she goes, "Your message will deliver in forty-seven years." <laughs> yeah, which is another bunch of bullshit. <laughs> no, it, is it forty-seven? Because I did the math on that the last like twenty-fifth time that I watched this movie, and like if he waited that out, it would be somewhere around like thirty years for to for to get a response. And if you could get a response within 30 years, you could probably figure out what's going on, wake up certain people, that kind of thing. But that, to me, sounds like more bullshit, though. Like, a a message can't be sent. Like, I know there's a a lag time and space, but how the fuck far are they out? They're they're way out. They're way out. Yeah, but still, like, like we've sent fucking ships that have gone, like, I mean, it takes 20 years or whatever for that ship to get there, but a message? Yeah. Like you, you, it feels like to me that you'd have like at that point you'd have stuff set up around that you yeah. know can relay the message faster and everything. By this point, if you're like you're, if you're going through true like repopulation of planets and st- or or actual population of planets that are that are habitable or whatever, actually surely- that. That's the best point right there, because this is supposedly like the 300th planet that this company yeah. has helped repopulate. And they should have a, a, a system on all these planets that can ping a signal wherever the fuck it needs to go. Yeah. So, I mean, if you got this kind of, if you got this kind of technology and it takes, you know, 30 goddamn years to get a response, then you done fucked up somewhere. If you have a chicken hibernation room and you can't send a message <laughs> right? instantaneously. You spent your tech in the wrong place. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it does get isolation essentially. Right though. You're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, despite the, the despicable actions of Chris Pratt in this, uh, the 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 you know, the fact is that you would probably go a little bit crazy and you would and we we all don't know how we would re- react after a year of just like doing being able to do nothing and everything we don't know that but i still feel like i'm a good enough person not to like fuck somebody <laughs> else's world up um yeah. The next one on here is life of pi another one of those weird like out of nowhere ang lee like did this type movies you like you (laughs) wouldn't expect him to be the guy behind this movie but uh but yeah this is um so you have is it it's a family trying to go to another country i think and then they they get a there's a storm and the one of the the one kid uh has to like get on a raft and and he spends a lot of this time on this like little boat with a tiger yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. With a tiger. That's not mm-hmm. isolation, by the way. Tiger. You know, that's oh, a, yeah, that's right. You have a lot of dialogue with tigers. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't like this movie, mm-hmm. um, but I do think the uh, shipwreck sequence, particularly when he goes overboard and goes underwater and the shipwreck noise gets all muted and he sees below this whale just swimming underneath everything in the moonlight. I think it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but mostly I hate this movie. I haven't um, seen it since our Sins video, and it's one of our very earliest Sins videos. It's yeah. like <clears throat> in the first, like, what, maybe 10 that we did? Mm, something in the... Something I don't like know. That. It's a, it's an early one, and uh, I haven't seen it since that time, so I don't remember much about it other than the basic premise of it. I know that the... Is it... Who is it that's the, the guy... Narr- telling the story he's 
he's a known oh he just passed away um did he is it ifran yeah. khan i think so yeah he's pie yeah if ifran khan um and um he's telling the story and we he's telling it to like a reporter or something or somebody who's writing the, about the story and we don't know exactly how much of it is truth by the end of it um because he he's he's sort of um he's either ma- like i i can't remember if the writer thinks he's just trying to make himself look good in the story or or what i can't remember what what it was but by the end of it you don't really know if everything that he said actually happened well because he's part of his story hasn't go to a living island in the shape of a man face (laughs) (laughs) yes and so there are elements of the story that are flat out not believable Um, right sorry i hate this (laughs) well you know i did there is another thing I, i there's one thing i did i do remember about this that i liked is that there is this apparent apparent implicit friendship he has with this tiger mm-hmm. as they as they go along because he's feeding him and all that and the tiger seems to be like uh you know down with down with being a friend and everything and then by the end of it when they get on that that island or whatever he's like expecting the tiger to stay with him and everything but the tiger moves on because the tiger doesn't look at you as a friend the tiger don't give a fuck <laughs> that's right that is a that's a that's a great line in life of Pi, by the way yeah. so, 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 he's talking to the reporter he's like lion don't give a fuck yeah. <laughs> hey jeremy didn't you do a conversations with myself with you on the toilet talking about this movie thanks for there re- was reminding like, me there was there was one where you were on the toilet and yeah. one of you was in the bathtub yeah and then and then at the very end another one of you sticks their head in and says richard Baca." <laughs> 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 that sounds about right. <laughs> you gotta stick that out. <laughs> uh the next one on this list is buried. Uh the Ooh. uh Ryan Reynolds uh in a coffin movie. Mm-hmm. Uh just used mm-hmm. as an outtake in an upcoming movie, actually. Or mm-hmm. uh, yeah, a sense yeah. video. I wrote that, yeah. didn't I? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, he's he's in a coffin and uh he's he's uh he's been abducted. He has a phone with him and uh the he's talking to his captors. The captors want something from him. Um I can't remember what it is that they want. Um Isn't that right? It's like I think it's something like uh it's like your typical like kidnapping thing they i think they want some prisoners released or something something because he's he's either connected to the military or former military because he ends up calling the military yeah um but yeah they they are trying to leverage him for something i don't quite remember i only saw the movie once there's Uh, like stuff scratched in the coffin where he's you know messages and everything i think that tell him where what sort of clues what needs him to do or something like that um, he's got just a, a limited amount of things that help him sort of, uh, I guess, stay alive or, or at least whatever. But, uh, but yeah, he does end up calling, uh, the military and like, he has to explain this, you know, to his wife first and explain that and have them somehow transmit this message and somehow figure out where the fuck he's buried yeah. uh, the whole time. Uh, and, uh, so he's got this dual thing going on where the captors are threatening to kill him 
and these other people are trying to save him and they either need to get to the captors in time to figure out where the captors have have have, uh, have put him or um or yeah he's gonna die it's got it's got a very like uh limited time frame uh i think uh but uh yeah uh it's it's really good really intense movie um i think uh the i think the imdb though people who voted on this thing it's not like high up um i'm trying to remember what what it's what uh people have given this because it, i don't and i don't know what they're looking for in a movie like this well they thought it was too unrealistic when he slowly mm-hmm. one inch uh fist punched uh the <laughs> oh, right. open and climbed out of the grave wiggle your big toe i remember that i remember that <laughs> no it is it's got a 7.0 i thought it used to be it had to have been lower at one point because i remember wanting to see this movie and never got around to it. Cause it had like a 6.4 or something. And I was like, eh, now it's got a 7.0. So, mm. uh, mm-hmm. so people like it. Um, this would be a good double feature with the, uh, the shallows. You'd have uh, Ryan Reynolds and Blake lively. Uh, <laughs> nice. You know, and then you'd watch green lantern afterwards. It'd be awesome. <laughs> um, then we have on this list, antichrist, Oh, you guys take it from here. I have not watched this movie, man. I still don't know. I still don't know. Uh, Lars von Trier is just, you know, he's one of those guys. I think he would love love my reaction to this movie. He would love it. That's what's fucking wrong with Lars von Trier. He's a psychopath. Um, um, Yeah, so this is about uh, a couple. Uh, they're both psychotherapists, I think, right? Yeah. And and, uh, and uh, one day when they are uh, making love in the kitchen or whatever, their child wanders out and uh, out of a window. Um, mm-hmm. And it is about their guilt from that for the rest of the movie. And Charlotte Gainsbourg, uh, Gainsbourg in this movie is, uh, uh, it seems like she's like, slowly deteriorating to the and then to the very to the point where it's like it gets really insane the things yeah. that she's doing as far as punishing herself and everything willem dafoe sort of plays the quote-unquote rock in this i guess that's sort of like trying to keep her from descending into complete madness but uh we know well, that that's this is- yeah that's uh, because they go to that remote cabin in the woods mm-hmm. for for after that incident happens and i think because the point was, hey, this is going to help us, you know, get over this and rekindle our marriage and stuff like that. It has the mm-hmm. exact opposite effect. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, they can't have uh, normal sex anymore because the very act that they were doing is what is what led to, in, indirectly, their yeah. kid dying. But they and, still have uh, to keep having it yeah exactly exactly uh but yeah this movie it goes into the you know it goes into the craziness and uh, um if you have a strong stomach uh you might love this movie uh for me i was just i was just like i don't know this is this is one of those movies where i'm like yes he did exactly the movie he wanted to make he made that exact movie he wanted to make. He, execution is a 10 all the way. Mm-hmm. But it may not be your damn cup of tea by no. the end of it. He had um, me until he ejaculated blood. Yeah, yeah. All right. That's how most relationships end. Uh, 
Well, it was a deal breaker for at least one of my girlfriends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Some, some, some people, you know, they're they're such uh, they're such philistines about that. <laughs> oh shit let's stop uh, talking about this movie <laughs> good idea we'll go on to uh something that's lighter mother <laughs> yeah mother this is a, a, a weird case because on the face of it like by the end and this isn't really spoiling anything um by the end there's a lot of people or there's several people in the mm-hmm. house but at the beginning it's just javier bardam and uh, jennifer lawrence and they are as remote as it gets. Like they mm-hmm. are in this house. They're fixing up this house in the middle of bumfuck wherever. And it's it's literally she's isolated by herself because he's preoccupied with his work, uh, with his poem and stuff like that. And uh, and so they barely even see each other. Uh, so this is very, very much like an isolative movie that turns into something completely different. Are they are they Adam and Eve? Is that what they're supposed to be in this movie? Uh, yeah, I mean, we might as well. In, in my understanding is he is God. Okay. And uh, he's the creator. That's why everybody keeps coming to him. And mm-hmm. she's the earth. She okay. is the unity. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, there is any different interpretation. This is one of those movies. Okay, so yeah, you, you you at first it starts off like a normal, like, oh, this is a normal everyday movie. What's going to happen here? Oh, they, they, uh, they let in a stranger that, or she thinks she, it's a friend of Javier Bardem's that she doesn't really care for. And you're like, Oh, this stranger is going to be fucking things up. And then it's just like, it's, it, it's not about that at all. Nope. It's, uh, it, it, there's a point where Javier Bardem and, and, uh, and Jennifer Lawrence have sex. And it's like the next morning she's like, I'm pregnant. And, yeah. and then like the, then they have a that kid happened to like, be in college. Oh yeah. Yeah. It always does. It's the bloody ejaculation. The, uh, <laughs> really gets things moving, really gets things moving. Uh, but like, um, but like, yeah, the, it, the time starts moving at a, an accelerated rate at this point. And, uh, yeah, it, it becomes, uh, uh, Jennifer Lawrence is, uh, getting like just an insane bombardment of people. Uh, who are and this really i mean the the thing with her being the earth totally makes sense hmm. uh throughout this whole thing like there's just a bombardment of, of of assholes who are coming into the house and wanting things from her and mm-hmm. uh everything i remember when this movie came out it came out about a year i think after the whole like hacking scandal and whatever that the that happened with the her phone and everything mm-hmm. and yeah. like everything sort of felt like uh sort of a, almost a metaphor for that at the time, because yeah. there's, because there are people coming in and they want things from her and they, and they strip her of her clothes and all this stuff. And they want pictures or whatever. I don't know if they take, they want pictures, but they're, they, they want things from her and everything. And I was just like, man, this must've been a rough movie for her to make uh after all of this i don't know if it was happening during or if it just happened like a little bit after it or whatever but uh it felt like that now if you can take if you watch this movie i guess without all of that uh, that uh that stuff going on in the background it, you can take it take that movie for what it was probably meant to be which is you know people fucking up the earth i guess you know yeah uh, her performance is spectacular though man mm-hmm. yeah and she's every bit as good in a very similar way 
as uh, Florence Pugh in uh, Midsummer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, 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 she's spectacular. And Javier, Javier Bardem is really, really good in this, mm-hmm. playing just an unusual character. Ed Harris is fant- Ed Harris is just universally fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and, and like, just, I, I love this movie. And Jeremy, it's probably not up your alley, but I think you would find this movie fascinating. Hmm. Especially with all the religious sort hmm. of uh, imagery and and uh, everything in this. So you might get a lot more out of this kind of a fucked up movie than you would from Antichrist. You know, like... <laughs> <laughs> um, this is a movie I need to revisit. I think I saw it in theaters, and I haven't seen it since, and it is a movie that is not in the collection, I don't think, so... Uh, oh really? Yeah, I've got most. I think I've got most of everything Darren Aronofsky has ever made, but I don't have that. So hmm. that's something that I need to revisit uh, uh, because that's not a one watch movie. If you really want to get into it and deep, no. And it's um, so it's so well done, man. I fucking love it. It's up there with uh, with the top Aronofskys for me. Yeah, hmm. yeah. Um, then we have Paranormal Activity. Um. Hmm. Yeah, this is the first of of uh this isn't the first viral marketing campaign, but this is the first time that I remember a studio saying we don't we're not going to come out with this unless there's like a whole bunch of interest or something like that. And that was probably a big marketing ploy. They were going to come out with it, but they drummed up this whole like here we showed it to this audience and here are their reactions to it. And we started seeing this on every movie, every horror movie after this, uh, showing people getting scared in paranormal, watching paranormal activity, uh, or watching the horror movie that they're advertising. But you remember that (laughs) you remember that they did that whole thing where they were like, we're not going to come out with this in a bunch of theaters unless we get a bunch of like people supporting it or whatever and there was enough overwhelming support i think i'm remembering this correctly i could be completely off but um but then they they it comes out and it's a huge success it's it's the first success of its type probably since blair witch project um blair witch project i, I i've said this before there were so many people who were like, oh, there were so many imitators after Blair Witch Project. No, there wasn't. There was hardly any. <laughs> no. In the horror genre. Even yeah, Cloverfield was... happened, what, nine years later on. Even yeah, Cloverfield it... was a horror movie. It was a monster movie. There were, very, there were very few imitators of Blair Witch Project after that movie came out. And surprising to, to me, too, because that movie was made for so little money and its return was insane. Um, but, uh, paranormal activity, uh, I like this movie a lot. Um, uh, it's, it, it starts, it's not, it didn't really start the genre, but like it is a, it's one of those movies where it becomes very apparent that every one of these demon movies have the same, uh, sort of thing going on. The demon never goes ahead and gets what he wants. He has to do a bunch of bullshit to to get people. I get like a lot of people rationalize this by saying, well, the demon needs to weaken his host first. And then, OK, so what is 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 pulling the sheets off, weakening the host? I don't know. 
Is it is it is is like is like leaving is like closing a door? Is that weakening the host? I mean, yeah, it's sort of telling you that he's there, but it's not really doing anything. Um, she's, she's losing sleep. I think by the end of the the movie, you see that she the movie is saying that she's drained of her energy, and you know she 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 doesn't have the will to fight back against it. Uh, which she's been doing her entire life. We find yeah, out. Yeah, it's. It, I agree, but right. it, then after a while, it just becomes ridiculous, especially with the fact that you you see they they go back in time with the next few sequels. Like part two yep. is is going is like a parallel sequel, and then and then Paranormal Activity three they go back to the eighties, and you find out that these same girls have been terrorized before. Um, uh, you know, but yeah, the, the, the demons are always like playing pranks and shit. And I don't, I don't generally like that, uh, like over and over and over again. Like I, it, 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 it give me another reason why they can't just go ahead and possess. Like the second one is just stealing a baby. That's all they, <laughs> that's all he needs to do. You don't need to weaken a baby. That baby can't punch back. <laughs> As two, well, it's got a few images in it, and like her being pulled down the hallway is is effective. the The one shot that I'll always think about is her getting up, walking around to the bed, and the time code just speeds up, oh, and she's just, yeah. You can see her just kind of like rock a little <laughs> bit, and it's yeah. it's I think three four hours or something like that. And then there's the 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 moment of the the guy coming in. The uh, he's not a demonologist; he's the psychic. He comes in the second time immediately and he's like, I don't need to be here right now. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Very bad for me. It does not want me here. Right. But the the reason that it's in this, this list is that they spend a lot of time in this evil haunted house with the Mm -hmm. demon instead of bouncing. And even when he says, Hey, let's bounce. She's like, no, it'll follow me. And they don't even try that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, we'll stay in the murder house, but uh, yeah. No, I'm on the record as I love the first one. Uh, yeah. The especially for that scene that you just mentioned, where because that's a that is an, an, a tremendously simple and effective scare to mm-hmm. to know that he's just forwarding through and she's just standing there that whole time during the forward and everything. Um, you don't have to do a jump scare. There are jump scares, obviously, in this movie, but you don't have to do that to get the most effective scene in your movie, which is this. It mm-hmm. just gives you the chance. Yeah. Um, last Tango in Paris. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, it's been forever. <laughs> it's been forever since I've seen this movie. Yeah, in fact, the, mo- the most that I've heard about it recently is just the fact that they treated, uh, who's the actress in this uh, Maria Schneider. Maria Schneider. They treated her very poorly uh, yes. in this. This would uh, not fly uh, uh, in uh, these days, and it shouldn't have really flown back then either, honestly. Um, but I haven't seen this in forever. Is It's Marlon Brando, and it's her, and it's like, I don't even remember how they get together, but it's like it's it's a big it's a big old sex movie, essentially. Yeah, they uh, they're both looking at the the same apartment in Paris. <clears throat> he ends up buying it 
uh, because he's got a, a lot more money than she does. Uh, and then they have like this anonymous affair. Uh, he's got a whole history. I think he, he, uh, his wife died or something like that. And, uh, they start, they start screwing and screwing and screwing and screwing. Uh, and they spent all their time in their apartment. And then, uh, you know, eventually they, they call it off. She angrily calls it off. Um, they find each other a couple years later or something like that. They have their last tango at the club. This is the only time I think they're shown out of the apartment. Uh, and then he tries to get back in there and she shoots him dead. Yeah. Yeah. And that was last tango in Paris. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of wonder what kind of uh, life Bernardo Bertolucci had uh, when you take last tango in Paris stealing beauty and the dreamers all together as, as a sort of a trilogy. Um, because it's, it, I don't know. There's, I know that there's gotta be some autobiographical stuff in at least those last two that I mentioned, but it's freaky. It's freaky stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the sex is always dreamlike, uh, whether it's even the violent stuff is always dreamlike in, in those three movies in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's freaky, but it's also Italian. So like, maybe it's just Italian. Maybe not, like freaky is normal to them. <laughs> I think you're freaky and I like you a lot. Then we have Lord of the flies. This is where, um, a bunch of kids get shipwrecked on an Island and, uh, um they live like kings damn hell ass kings damn hell ass kings <laughs> um and uh two different factions break off one of the factions wants to just have fun and play all day and the other one wants to like try to function as a normal society and so on and so forth um and then they start battling each other because you know that's what happens when you have opposing ideologies um I have seen, I think, two different versions of Lord of the Flies, and I've read the book. Um, and uh, you know, it's uh, it. I, I I actually really like that one that came out in the nineties. Ed Balthazar Getty, um, yeah. uh, and uh, you know, I, I like that one and everything. I think it's a little tainted for me now because. There was a story that recently came out that was trending. I was hoping on, you were going to bring this up. Yeah, that uh, that was trending on Twitter about three, four weeks ago about a real life thing that happened where a bunch of kids who snuck on a boat uh, got shipwrecked on an island and they weren't found for, I don't know, like a year, maybe. A yeah, year? it was about a year. <clears throat> um, and. Uh, and uh, the guy who found them found that they had had made an absolute functioning society on this island, uh, mm. not at each other's throats. They had even built houses and shit. They built a gym. They built like they basically built utopia, and it was all boys. And like it's the exact opposite of what Lord of the Flies says should happen with human nature. And mm-hmm. I agree with Chris. It sort of tainted the whole idea of the story for me. <laughs> yeah. To see that in real life they actually turned really nice. God, right. that's awesome. Yeah, it's a really awesome story. Do 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 we have uh do we know what the who who did that story? Oh no, I can find it somewhere. I mean I it was it was basically 
because they ended probably, up interviewing. He ended yeah, up interviewing they, at least one of the kids that was on the island. Um, as well yeah, as they're the like in their seventies now. Yeah, yeah, they're all old now. Um, I'll try and find it. I don't. I don't remember where it was. You it was could like probably type in real life, real life Lord of the Flies, and it would get that article uh, in Google. But I have just uh, typed this: The Guardian. Um, it was May 9th, twenty twenty. Uh, the real Lord of the Flies. What happened when six boys were shipwrecked for fifteen months? Jeez, hmm. awesome um, story. What do we think though? Before we read that story, what do we think of Lord of the Flies? Is that is that? Did we say yep? Typical human humanity there. Yeah, uh, I think so. Um, yeah. I think there is. A, I think there is. I mean, we're talking about one thing that happened in real life. I think there is another iteration of that where that yeah. Lord of the Flies happens too. Um, yeah. Uh, so, uh, cause yeah, especially I mean, if Tom Arnold's on the Island, especially if Tom Arnold is, <laughs> is on the Island. Um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, Barrett, what do you think? I liked it. I'm, I'm, I'm a sucker for, you know, uh, we've talked about white squall before and we've mm-hmm. talked about, like, also with Bowser's Argetic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> these are just for movies, but like hook, like I'm, uh, I'm a fan of like, kids being on like kids of this age being on their own left to their own devices seeing what they can do same thing happens in moonrise kingdom same thing happens in a lot of stephen king uh novels and and movies mm-hmm. uh i'm a fan of this and, and i like survivalist stuff too so i like it yeah yeah i i and in general i like this story it has a lot of things like of uh important things uh to um think about as far as how a democracy works and everything. Um, and, uh, but still you have that real life story out there and it's like, yeah, that's, that would be interesting to read about too. I'd like to see that movie too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, then we have rated the, G rated G. <laughs> um, the blue lagoon. Not rated G. Yeah. Christopher Ooh. Atkins and mm. Brooke Shields. Hmm. Are on an island, and uh, they are they. I can't remember how they get on the island. It's a shipwreck. Is it a shipwreck? It's an underage shipwreck. They, it's an underage <laughs> shipwreck. Um, uh, Brooke Shields, man, I I can't imagine what her childhood was like. Oh um, no, shit. Uh, I mean, it's insane. She's she's like fourteen in this movie, maybe mm-hmm. even less. And, and, uh, and is, is frequently like, I mean, they have hair covering her most of the time, but she's frequently just naked running around. Now that's not like sexual nudity or anything, but the two principal actors do have sex a lot in this movie. Yeah. As soon as they hit puberty, man, they're fucking all, all over the place. According to, I did a little bit of uh, research on this. Um, according to Wikipedia, the nude scenes uh, were performed by the 32-year-old stunt coordinator, Kathy Trout. Really? Uh, any topless stuff that Bruce, Brooke Shields would do, frontal, uh, she had her hair taped to her nipples. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, I, I thought she actually did it because she did in Pretty Baby, which was which came out before right. this. Right. And, um, and that, and that was something that just, I don't know. I don't know how in the world you had, you could be Brooke Shields back in the day. Um, uh, but yeah, the, the Blue Lagoon is not a good movie. <laughs> it's not a very no, good movie. <laughs> uh, it's an interesting movie to me 
because it it really does show because they're they're like infants when they crash on this this island mm-hmm. and they've got one father figure that dies uh and they they really have to go through the machinations of puberty and growing up they end up having a kid and everything it's not good it's soapy it's it's silly at times but it's watchable to me because you know i like the scenery i like the the coming of age type of thing it has it's kind of it's actually funny i know that these kids have never been taught sex education at all but it's really really funny to me when she has the baby like like they've had all the sex and then like she gets pregnant i don't think even they even knew she was pregnant that's how little they knew and then she has the baby and then by the time by by the end of that he go the christopher atkins is like why did you have a baby (laughs) (laughs) it's just a funny line man and i know that they don't know anything like that's a perfectly acceptable thing for him to say because he doesn't know he doesn't know that having sex with Brooke Shields would lead to that. But like, it's just a funny line. Hey, why did you have a baby? It's weird. I don't, what, what could we have possibly have been doing that led to that? Uh, um, then we have the edge. This is kind of a, this is a, I mean, this is for sure isolation. Uh, it's not isolation for a while, but it is, it does become that. Uh, this is a great fucking movie. I uh, love yeah. The Edge. Uh, um, Lee Tamahori, uh, Anthony Hopkins, and Alec Baldwin. This is a David Mamet script too. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they they go out and uh, they go out to this uh, cabin, and uh, Anthony Hopkins is I think married to Elle McPherson in this movie. Yep. Um, yep. and Alec Baldwin has been rogering Elle McPherson behind his back. <laughs> <laughs> elevening her 12 elevening her 12 elevening her 12 um and uh and uh anthony hopkins knows about this but they go out and they are i can't remember what the the uh what led leads to them getting out in the woods on their he's own he's a right? photographer alec baldwin is and he's trying to get a shot this one specific shot of this old crusty dude that they know about and they take the plane up there to go try and find this guy. So Alec Baldwin can get his photograph. Okay. Okay. And so it it becomes a survivalist story. Uh, and, um, and, uh, Anthony Hopkins is the, the, is like the guy who knows way more than you would think he, he, he's a rich, he's an absolutely fucking wealthy person, but, um, but he knows how to survive out in the woods. And this in, enrages Alec Baldwin in a great scene. You know, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like, it doesn't hurt you at all. In fact, you bloom. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and then there's a, there's a, a bear attack in here. That's uh that's really good that they, uh, they have to figure out if they're going to, they're going to, they have to make a stand against the bear. They know they can't run it, run away from it. And uh, yes, as Barrett, I don't know if it caught the microphone or not when Barrett said it, but there's that great speech where basically he's like, I'm not going to die today. I'm not going to die today. He says that like a hundred million times. And then he's like, he's like, today I'm going to kill the motherfucker. Um, (laughs) And uh, this movie's really fucking good. It's a movie that came out, I think it was 97. It, uh, It, nobody really saw it. I think it's gotten a bit of a cult following since. 
everybody who's who seems to watch this movie loves it so the next one on the list is alive and i have never seen this movie same oh really we're, we're bros yeah uh, i don't want to watch a cannibal movie yeah. i can read this the news story about what happened because it's based on a real story and that's good enough for me god damn it yep plane <laughs> crash in the mountains and you know what are you gonna do for food when your food runs out i mean sometimes you have to lay, you have to lean on a friend and <laughs> sometimes uh, you gotta cut a motherfucker yeah, sometimes you gotta <laughs> cut a motherfucker <laughs> uh you've seen this movie right barrett i have i have and uh and you know it's it's good it's more of like it's not a lord of the flies type of thing Mm -hmm. it's basically just a uh you know here's here's the situation here's what we have to do they're like i think they're rugby players so they're not like you know survivalists or anything like that they're just like we're stranded on the top of the andes we got to figure out how we can stay here until we can get rescued. I don't mm-hmm. think they even try to, to leave. Uh, but it's Ethan Hawke and Josh Hamilton, uh, your boy from eighth, eighth grade. Um, and uh, the other ones are Jan- John Hames, Newton and Bruce Ramsey, which I'm not real familiar with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Ethan Hawke and Josh Hamilton are fantastic. Um, it's, yeah, it, it, it's not, I don't think it's exploitative, meaning like it's not Walking Dead where they're like hacking off limbs and like gnawing mm-hmm. into it like a chicken bone or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, it's uh, it's a, you know it's it's a good movie. Um, <laughs> this this was a this was a, a sort of a punchline type of movie back in I think it was ninety two when this came out. Mm-hmm. Um, ninety three. Well, yeah, D- January of ninety three. So yeah. Um, it was kind of, it was kind of one of those type of punchline movies, you know, where people would easily go to, you know, alive as a, you know, I mean, cause it's such a, you know, that kind of, that subject matter is, uh, is, is extremely distasteful, you know? <laughs> so, mm-hmm. but, mm-hmm. uh, anyway, I, I, it was a decent hit. I think it was like a decent hit, like not a huge hit or anything, but yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not one that I'm going to go and seek out or anything like that, but, uh, it was, it was worth watching it like almost like 127 hours, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, then we have the gray. This is another plane crash in the mountains movie. Uh, there, there's not isolation by like one person until like later, but yeah, the, until the very end. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the people, uh, the, there's only a handful of people that are left over after the plane crash and they, it's a survivalist movie and there's a bunch of wolves. Uh, there are wolves after me. Um, um, and, uh, the wolves are starting to circle around and, uh, they have to fend off that as they go through the countryside, looking for a way to escape that situation and everything. Um, this, uh, this was after taken right but before taken too yeah well after taken because um, ta- yeah yeah because uh taken is what started this liam neeson run mm-hmm. um there are there are many similar t- like taken type of movies that came out after this this is not really taken but it's 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 still getting into that persona i was gonna say half of them starring at liam neeson <laughs> yeah yeah like unknown and the airplane one and the <laughs> yeah. train one and <laughs> yeah. the, he's always angry and beating ass <laughs> oh yeah 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 uh and, uh you know the walk among the tombstones or whatever that one that was there's cold a bunch pursuit. of those yeah cold pursuit uh there's a there's a ton of those where like yeah <laughs> um 
But the gray is good. I like the gray. Oh, the gray is awesome. The gray is yeah. really yeah. good because he's he is a badass in a different way. He's not like an ex CIA or whatever it is, but like it, he's like a sharpshooter or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And he has no fear. What's he has a, like a respect, but he doesn't fear these wolves. He just knows they're they're a worthy adversary, mm-hmm. and he's going to take them down. Mm-hmm. And doesn't he do like the the crushed bottle shit? Like oh, yeah. in, on, yeah. on, the, on his hands, on his yeah, gloves at the end. And yeah. he like goes after the wolf like Wolverine. Well, it's like the last out of shot. It's the last shot before the credit yeah, yeah. is him basically saying, I'm going to fuck you up, wolf. And then there's like a mid-credits or post-credit shot of him. I forget what it is, but it's Yeah, it's, it's like the dead won. wolf and then him lying alongside it. And I guess it's sort of this idea that, well, he could still be alive, I guess. Oh, I didn't even see that. I thought he died for sure. Well, they don't say for a fact that he did. But I mean, even if he's not dead after that wolf attack, he's dead because he's (laughs) because he's he's in the middle of fucking nowhere (laughs) in the snow. And he's just going to get like, you know, he's going to get frostbite and all that other bullshit. Um, you know, he's he, something's something bad is going to end up happening to him. Uh, if he's just, especially if he's going to just continue lying out there in the middle of the fucking woods with all the wolves and shit. It's such a cool shot, though, man, because you can you can just tell he's like, "Fuck you, man." Mm-hmm. Even if you're going to come after me, like I'm, gonna, I'm yeah, gonna I'm not going to go shit. down some pussy way. I'm gonna, you know. Um, and then we have Arctic. That's Mads Mikkelsen, right? Yes, and you want to talk about a good movie. This is a good movie. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I have it. I have it, though. You do? Because, yeah, I, Mads Mikkelsen is in a movie called Arctic and another one called Polar. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> I've, I've seen one of them. One of them's like a John Wick knockoff. Yeah, that's Polar. Yeah, that, that's okay, Polar. I saw that one. Yeah, no, Arctic came out, like, same year, I think, or whatever. It did, but, like, yeah. Uh, but uh, I have it. I just haven't gotten around to seeing it. You say it's good. I, I think you would really like this. It's it's literally just him. This is a movie that shows and doesn't tell. A perfect example of this. You have no narration. You have no context. You just know he's in the middle of the Arctic and he's stranded. He's mm-hmm. drawing an SOS on the thing. He's trying to flag down helicopters if they, they show up. And eventually one does show up and crashes. And he finds a survivor in there and his mission He's been staying up here for God knows how long. We don't know how long he's been up there. But his mission now is to get her to safety. And that's the rest of the movie. And it is fucking awesome. This movie. is one of the best last shots uh, I've seen in a long time. This movie mm-hmm. is written and directed by Joe Penna, a.k.a. Mystery Guitar Man on YouTube. Oh, yeah, that's right. <clears throat> yeah. That's right. I forgot about that. Is that was this his debut, or did he have another one before? I think this? he has another one before that. I actually just closed the IMDb page right before you asked me that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, it's it's spectacular. It's it's all. I mean, you can feel the cold because he's in the Arctic, like literally in the Arctic, uh, and he's found a way to survive for as long as he he has. And Mickelson just puts in a brilliant performance. The guys, the guy's so talented, uh, but. There's just little microfacial things in this movie when when he gets afforded luxuries like he finds some some stale ramen noodles and he hasn't had anything but fish for the mm-hmm. last like you know however long and you can see him go like 
oh god this is the greatest thing in the world he's just <laughs> eating them raw too it's not like a and so no i would encourage both of you i think you both really really like this movie it's that on is time for free it's mm-hmm. uh it's joe penna's directorial debut as a feature he made a bunch of shorts before that yeah but and he's feature. about to make a movie this is this is funny after we just talked about castaway but he's making a movie called stowaway but it's one word it's not just <laughs> stowaway it's stowaway and uh uh and uh it's about um a stowaway on a mission to mars sets off a series of unintended consequences but it's got anna kendrick tony collette daniel day kim in it uh so far i guess um i don't know if there's more but i mean well there's one more actor that i don't know the name of shamir anderson but um uh but uh yeah that that sounds kind of interesting uh anyway uh that's the list i think there's there's probably more we could we could (laughs) talk about but it's the same sort i mean that we've got all the best ones i think yeah yeah Uh, i think it's a good cross-section of there are different like i said uh yesterday because we recorded the first part yesterday mm -hmm. uh like i said before there's certain sub genres of this where it's you know a couple like vivarium that's stuck in a thing there are horror things. There are survivalist things. There are uh, disaster things. Uh, there are buried's. There are space <laughs> things. Yeah. There, there are ugly CGI vampires. Right. There's, there's all kinds of things. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So, what did you guys think? Uh, any more like uh, solitary movies that you recommend out there while we're doing this? I know some some of you out there. You you aren't quarantine quarantining at all. You're just out there, out there in the world. Tacos. <laughs> and, uh, and, but maybe you have some solitary movies that you can, uh, you, you can recommend. Uh, but, uh, go to uh, Sincast presented by CinemaSins on Facebook. We're also on CinemaSins Twitter, Music Video Sins Twitter. We are on SoundCloud. We're also on Discord. If you want to get on Discord, you can either go to the private messages on Facebook. And uh, I can give you a link there, or you can go to our Reddit page and find the link on the right side there. But uh, that's going to do it for this week. It's Chris Atkins and Jeremy Scott and Barrett Share. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. It is terrible though, right? <sighs> it's it's Brando and uh, and Depp talking and about both, sexy stuff. They're both just no one is giving them any direction and they're both like I'm doing so much acting here. <laughs> and it's uh Who I'm, did direct that? That was Jeremy Levin. I don't I don't even know who that is. I don't know, but that movie was not I saw it one time, I remember hating it. I had to pick that print up from cinema north in gallatin Um, oh shit (laughs) i think this was before i knew projection but i i was able to help out with prints and stuff at that point and um i had to go to cinema north Mm. to pick it up and uh no i may have known projection because i watched it that night you went from williamson square all the way up to gallatin yeah because it was uh jesus 
There was, you know, print exchanges back in the day where you had to go to some other theater and pick up a print because they didn't want to go through all the cost of breaking it down and then having somebody come over and get it and then bring it to your theater if you were just in the same area. So um, <laughs> the same area, like an hour and a half away. <laughs> sure. Um, and uh, and the the real issue, though, is that those other theaters would use different cues on their prints. So like you'd run something through and their and their cue for knocking the lights down would be your cue for shutting the projector down. So like, you'd have to like, oh, yeah. So you have to like, you know, um, you'd have to redo cues and stuff. That was always nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Fucking Don Juan DeMarc. I tell you what, it did give me very good uh, sex advice, though. Yeah? Oh, yeah? Because he says, don't touch the woman. Like, just very delicately right over the skin, and she will feel it. And I have done this, Mm -hmm. and I have brought a woman to orgasm doing this. Nice. Nice. If we're going to start bragging about ways we've brought a woman to orgasm, (laughs) I'll take a seat. (laughs) (laughs) I watched Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas last night. Had it on. Oh, because of that outtake. Yeah, had it on in the background, but (laughs) I watched it over. I watched it over like a couple of times. But there's a scene in there that I had forgotten about that was just so funny in it. Um. They, he's in the bathroom and flea is like this fucking hippie uh yeah, yeah. and and they and uh and uh he's like he's like that white substance on my hand there is lsd and uh and so they're like they're like snorting the lsd or whatever the fuck and then this guy walks in and uh realizes that he doesn't like want need to be in here at this moment and he and uh he walks out and the narration comes in and goes with any luck, this will have ruined this guy's life. <laughs> and he's like, it goes out to the guy in the bar, and he's like, he'll be thinking about that with two men in red denim, just, uh, like doing things that, doing drugs that he's never heard of before. Or <laughs> just such a with funny line. Ah, <laughs> uh, devil ether. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he he uh he stayed uh with uh, Thompson out in Colorado for like months to get into that role and like Thompson shaved his head and everything and they were big buds. Mm-hmm. And so he he picked up the uh you know Hunter S Thompson has that that speech pattern yeah. that uh, that he was using in that. And he picked it up like that. And it's funny, did you ever see where the buffalo roam? No. Mm. Uh, with Bill Murray, it's it's a Hunter S. Thompson book that they turned into uh, a movie with Bill Murray. Must have been in the late seventies, uh, but Bill Murray is affecting that accent, that that way of speech, and it's not bad. It's just not as good as Depp when you compare it to actually how Hunter Thompson talks. Mm-hmm. Which is very unique. That movie is 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 fantastic, man. I I, I do you I, like it? Yeah, I know that it got um, it. It sort of got dismissed when it came out, and it's it's gotten, I think, a following since then. Uh, but yeah, that movie is uh, fantastic. It's so funny, what. so well done. 
It's got a lot of cameos in there. It's got like a crazy cast. Yeah, it does. Fucking uh, Christina Ricci's in there for a hot minute. Forgot that Cameron uh, Diaz shows up at one point. Cameron Diaz. Yeah, because he's like, I drive the big ones. <laughs> but there's only threatening just Craig over. Mirko with the big Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's all these... There's just all the just all the like little things that he's going through in this man. There's just so many. It's done in such a a tremendous comic style. Like you know when he's he's uh, I guess I don't know what he's on at the time where he starts seeing all the monsters at the bar or whatever. But but he's oh, like he's taking the yeah the the LSD yeah and he's like he's like uh, and they were serving beer to these bastards you know really there's like all these like just like creatures and in the fucking bar some idiot was giving these creatures booze yeah and then and uh and uh just you know I mean it's 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 just in it, the whole thing is done in this like the the scene oh, where the man. guy's like I'll take your I I'll, here's a ticket. And it's a valet ticket, and he goes, "Am I going to need this ticket?" And he goes, "I'll." Rem-. And his and his and the guy, the the valet's face all changes, and yeah. it's all weird, and everything is. I'll remember your face, <laughs> and uh, and goes, uh, he goes, I, I, and he's like, I was goddamn terrified, and like, like it's like he looks up, and there's this this camera angle that they they shoot the valet from, where he's just got this normal look on his face, but it's just from underneath and to the side, and it's just kind of yeah. like. You know, it, 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 I don't know. There's a there's a really great. It's it's one of those you have. To, I mean, you have to see it. But <laughs> words cannot express the terror I felt. <laughs> and then the, my favorite part is just complete uh, one off where uh, they pick up Toby Maguire in the desert on the way in, and uh, they're like, "Let's get that boy a lift." And he pulls over, and Toby Maguire comes running up to him. He's like, "Holy shit! I haven't been in a convertible before." And uh, Depp turns around, looks at him, is like, "Is that right?" I guess you're about ready then. <laughs> and, then all, <laughs> and then all of a sudden he starts kind of like backing up. He's like, get in. Yeah. <laughs> he's, 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 he said he understood, but I could tell by his face that he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> the vibrations were getting nasty in this car. I could quote that whole fucking movie. Yeah. Did you ever see it, Jeremy? Okay, here's my experience. I was wondering if this was going to get asked or not. And uh, this is a story I could take or leave, but here you go. One time I went to buy a weed from this guy, and he and his roommate had eaten some shrooms, mm. and they were watching Fear and Loathing. Nice. And I stayed there nice. for about 20 minutes watching them watch the movie, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it was highly entertaining. Mm-hmm. And that's all I, I had to say about that movie. I, I, have not, I have not seen it all the way through myself, uh, but I I've never uh, eaten shrooms. I'm not sure I ever want to, but it, it really? seems like the kind of movie that like the more on something you get, the better the movie is. And I so, disagree, and okay. I'm sure Chris had this uh, experience uh, last night. I have never watched that movie anything other than sober. Mm. Which is which is weird, and I, I'm sure it could be enjoyed high or on serious drugs or stuff like that. But I just enjoy it, like Chris was saying, for like the comic timing, like the visuals, like the the cameos and all that stuff. I think it could be consumed in different ways. But I would also like to watch somebody watch it while on drugs. I mean, yeah, uh, I'll watch it eventually, uh, but I've never I've never actually seen it, so I can't weigh in. They didn't lend the rocket, then nobody would have known. 
Uh, right. I almost put the Martian on this, by the way. I don't think I did uh, because there's so much. You didn't, you know, back and forth to all the different uh, spots. But we just uh, talked about it. Yeah, I mean, we, we, you know, the Martian obviously fits into that mode of isolation. It's not the whole movie, but yeah, uh, we've talked about the Martian a ton too, a little bit. Because we went into a, a wake. You know how pontoon boats you get at a perfect angle and you just go right into the wake and the water spills over. And so that was fine, but then we hit another one, and the gate, the front gate, opened up, and I was sitting at the front, and it just went crack. I was like, "Fuck!" It went crack, and I went, "Fuck, fuck!" You that see sucks. why I was singing uh, "Uncle Fucker" earlier? Now you were singing that about the toe. No, not your Terrence and Philip. I want to look. I don't want. Okay, I wasn't looking at Zencaster. God damn! Give me a break. It says Philip Baratcher Terrence. Like you're never gonna hit with this. It always shows us a different order. Very true. It should stop trying. And I was gonna write a note saying, actually, they do because I've handled so many mice back in the lab that I swear to God I've heard them fart. But I, just in case, I looked it up. And I could find no literature supporting the fact that you could or that they do. And if they do, that you could hear it. This video, the guy guy who does, uh, who, who's a professional poker player and he's going through all this coaching stuff. And, and uh, he's saying, he's like, uh, I don't put ads on my, my videos because I don't want uh, you to waste your time. I don't want to waste my viewers time and all that. And, you know, aside from the fact that he completely depends on, people buying his books and people and him being a good professional poker player uh, to make his money. Um, he's like, I just don't want to waste your time and everything. And so somebody was like, well, it's only like five seconds of your time. And he goes, well, let me, let me do a calculation here for you. And this guy is a reasonable guy. So I was like, why are you do, why are you doing this? He's like, <laughs> he, he, he puts in a calculator five seconds. And then he's like, well, let's say it was this video that I had a hundred thousand views on or whatever. So that's a hundred thousand times five. And, uh, and then I divide it by 60. That's how much time I'm wasting of my viewers. And I was like, this is the reason why we have fucking problems in this country. <laughs> because, because one viewer isn't losing that much time in their in their life. That there's no such thing as a combined loss of time. There's no such thing as that. None. Uh, the, 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 it's like, it's like when we had the mass transit thing here in Nashville and they were like, Oh, look at all that money. That's going to ca- cost taxpayers. And it was going to cost you probably like a couple of cents, but because it looks like, <clears throat> Oh, our, our taxpayers are going to have to pay $5 million. <laughs> it makes it look like it's so fucking serious. Like, Oh my God, look at all that money we're wasting. Oh my yeah. God. 5 million. When that could go towards the NRA. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I just read a headline. Hugh Jackman is going to do the music man on Broadway. All right. That's okay. worth interrupting because I wrote a sin about that in the circus movie. <laughs> the greatest showman. <laughs> this was my idea. And he oh, yeah. stole it. Yeah. And he's Seriously? not giving me any money. <laughs> There's a whole sin about it. Cause we got the name wrong. Cause his, the character's name is, uh, uh shit. I called him Henry and it's 
something else. And everybody made fun of me because it was like a no gravity in space moment. But I, the whole point <laughs> of that sin was, dude, this guy would make an excellent music man. Like, let's see that happen right now. And now it's going to ah, happen. Okay. Ah. I had forgotten that sin. I'm sorry. I, I, next time I will hold it until there's a proper break. But that that feels like a stab in the back from my longtime friend and friend of the show, Hugh Jackman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jeremy joined before Chris. So now it says Cross Chris instead of Chris Cross. Yep. It says Chris Barrett Share Cross on my screen. <laughs> <laughs> they so say that for anybody. Bears their middle name. <laughs> So you guys just kept going, right? It did that thing where it grayed you guys out, probably grayed me out. Grayed you out, and yeah. then that's it. We talked I'm gonna, about I'm gonna what call. bitch you are. Mm-hmm. As, <laughs> as we do when you're out of the room. Soon as I leave. Very yep. Bitch, 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 bitch. Yep. <laughs> hey, cow's must be a bitch. She's bitch. Hey, and we're back. Uh... <laughs> <laughs>